Bring it in. Read option back here on a Thursday night. I almost said Monday night. This week has been so jumbled up and weird for me uh, all over the place in studio today dealing with house stuff, but nothing feels better after a long, stressful day than sitting down with the lads recording our favorite podcast for all of our wonderful listeners and supporters of this show whole crew back together first time since the one year anniversary or god 100th episode I keep 100th fucking episode. That up. yeah everyone's back that's the important part how are you boys it's great to see you both on a zoom screen and uh with some beautiful weather i might add here on the east coast yeah it is no it's been great um just real quick reminder for everyone taxes are due taxes on that one out um taxes are here recently so the hard monday. Way. <laughs> monday get them in Make sure, uh, yeah, if you're listening to this, you got a day, you got the weekend, figure it out. It'll be fine. Um, but uh, that, that's that been interesting for me, just kind of uh, getting that going. But um, outside of all of that, no, it's, it's uh, weather's finally breaking. Actually, like going and playing sports outside, throwing around a football in a park, that kind of stuff is back. So uh, really so excited bad. about all that. And uh, I don't know, it's, it's definitely an interesting point in the year. We had, you know, the Masters. Um, and then now we're, we're getting into this springtime and it comes quick. It really does. We have the draft here coming up. We have NBA starting. So there's a lot of exciting stuff in the next two, three weeks that's coming up. How you doing, Scotty? I'm good. Dude, we are two weeks away from the NFL draft. So <laughs> grab your popcorn, put the kids to bed because uh, it's, it's going to get all, all up in your face up in here. All up in here. Podcast. Shout out <laughs> Rob think- Riggle. I forgot to mention too. Shout out to my West Ham Hammers. Uh, mm. We just won in this in the quarterfinals for Europa League. We're going to be in the semis. This is huge. If you know West Ham, we almost got we almost got relegated a few years ago. Uh, we almost finished top four last year. We ended up falling out, and and this is like an awesome case. A captain, a guy who was born in the West Ham neighborhoods, who grew up playing youth soccer there. His name is Mark Noble. He joined the team since he was like, he's been on West Ham's team since he was like seven, worked his way up through the system, got on the pro team, has been a captain for like 15 years. And this is his last season. So to send him out with a Europa victory would be absolutely insane. Uh, and anyway, we're going to the semis and uh, really excited about that. That just happened right before we recorded live here. So uh, I'm all, uh, I'm all bubbled up as we say. It's a huge win. Have you seen the the last season of or the second season of Ted Lasso? Do you see the end? I haven't because I heard they. Uh, okay. It's not never good mind. for West Ham. That's well, all I know. Never mind. I'll <laughs> leave it at that. But I, uh, hey, West Ham is on the table. They're in, in prime position for uh, for a Champions League spot anyway with their table uh, mm-hmm. position. Yeah, I didn't understand anything you guys just said. I, got, I think I got about forty percent of the words that came through there. I uh, know I, in all honesty though, I do actually very much love the European soccer model. Mm-hmm. I don't, I can't follow it. I follow so many fucking sports far too closely than I have the time to do already that sitting down and learning it is too, is just too much. Uh, that being said, 
I do genuinely uh, love and appreciate how European soccer works and how it functions. I think it's fascinating. I also think it's the only thing remotely comparable to college football in this life and vice versa. I think the only thing remotely comparable to European soccer is college football and college sports in general. And so to see those two and working in college for a while and to kind of see the similarities and, and that small town vibe, like you were saying, like that's like Stetson Bennett, right? Like Stetson Bennett, quarterback of Georgia, grows up in Georgia, goes to the junior college, finds his way, ultimately makes his way up, and then wins a national championship for the Bulldogs this year. That's what you're talking about with your man. What's his name? Mark Noble. Mark My Noble. Guy. I was going to say Mark something. I did not know the last name. No, it's good. But, but that's like yeah, what that is, right? Gases. I think it's I think it's awesome. So I'm a huge fan of it, but I honestly can't say that I know anything about it. So I'm happy for you, Vito. Just as Thank uh, you. I'm here for your support. I'm just here to be your guide, to be your friend, to lift you up as your team ultimately will probably have their heart broken because that's what happens to Spartans fans, right? We, we all get our hearts broken. That's how it We're works. We're forever but- blowing bubbles, baby. We, uh, whenever we score a goal at home, by the way, we have industrial bubble machines and bubbles go everywhere. So like kids, that if you ever incredible. like have a kid and they're like, how do I get them into sports? Watch West Ham sock. And they're like the bubbles. And every kid loves West Dude, Ham. Sir, for that that is, that's yeah. amazing. I yeah. love traditions that sports have like, yeah, I, I, we talk about JMU here occasionally, right? One of the coolest things about JMU is every time they score a touchdown or field goal, there are streamers, purple and gold streamers handed out to everybody. And the whole stadium launches streamers out and you typically can't get it down to the field because they're too light, but it yeah. just covers all of the student section. And then the best part is you throw your streamer. Chances are someone's streamers coming down to you and you can get another one. You can get and pick oh, up. That's and awesome. I so like I, that. I that's love the best version like of the beach volleyball that I've ever heard. That's so much <laughs> better. <laughs> it's a great, it's a great time. Um, sports world. Uh, we're, this is the official transition. I feel like, where we've had March Madness, which is its own thing. We've had the Masters, which is its own thing. And now this is the the official time where the country, the generic sports fans, right, not diehard sports fans, turn their attention to the NBA. Uh, We've had the play-in games this week, so we're going to recap some of the play-in games. We're going to talk a little bit. This is year two of the play-in games, and I think this year compared to last year, the reception felt different, so we're going to get into a little bit of that. Uh, We're going to preview the NBA playoffs, not necessarily super X's and O's because we don't know who the eight seeds are going to be. Uh, We'll get a little bit into it, but mainly just storylines, right? Because we don't have LeBron this year, right? So there is no arch villain. Steph Curry, we don't know if he's even really going to play much this postseason. He just scrimmaged for the first time today as we're recording this. So Steph's up in the air. KD is a, a seven seed going up against a blazing hot, uh, Boston Celtics team in the first round. So we have a bunch of really fun teams. And I think this is kind of like the third, fourth year in a row where it feels like the NBA post Warriors Cavs kind of run there is in a really fun spot. So we're going to dive into some of that. And then we're also going to rank the quarterbacks that are currently unsigned. Now, if you haven't seen the story about Kyler Murray, we'll get into it more in depth later, but essentially the Cardinals have not officially offered him his extension yet, even though they were prepared to, they had an offer ready, they pulled it off the table. And so we're going to go through the quarterbacks that are currently, you know, over drafted the last couple of years, not signed long terms, talking about who we would want to run our franchise as our guy. And we will wrap up with a little bit of random life shit. Vito's got a great story here. We're going to talk some dating life with him. I also have a story or two that I'm going to add. And Scotty, obviously, anything you want to throw in there, we will take. So all that being said, 
let's talk about the playing games, right? So Tuesday night, we had the first two sets of playing games. Both games were fantastic. We had Cleveland and Brooklyn. That game says, even though the game itself, I think they ended up winning by about seven. Cleveland covered easy. I loved that bet going into it. It says a lot about where Brooklyn is at. We're talking about a, a Cleveland team that is built off of basically players who have never played in any sort of postseason format before. And even though this the playing game isn't technically postseason, like if you go on basketball reference, there's no place to find playing game stats because they don't count as the regular season and they don't count as playoff stats. So they're on their little enigma, which is a little weird. And then that game was followed up by the Clippers and the Timberwolves, which holy shit, what in the world? Patrick Beverly, back and forth, A-Rod's on the sidelines, just an electric factory of entertainment. And Tuesday was phenomenal. Wednesday, not quite the same buzz. Uh, You know, the Charlotte-Atlanta game had its moments in the first half, but it never really quite took off. Uh, And Atlanta ends up winning that game comfortably. And then last night we see the Pelicans sans Zion, that's a, try saying that three times fast. That's a tough one. Uh, without Zion Williamson, who uh, has not laid off the uh, the Twinkies and the beefcakes, man, he is he's he's looking thick. But he's still throwing down windmill dunks, reverse three sixty windmill dunks, like it's nothing. Uh, but the Pelicans, David Griffin, they've assembled a really good team. I'm pulling for the Pels, uh, given all of the shit that they've gone through over the last couple of years. So. Before we get into a little bit more of the game specifically, because again, I do think there is something to be said about that Brooklyn Cleveland game in particular. This is our second year of the play in tournament. This was a, an outside of the box idea. And I don't know what I actually have an idea of what will be the tipping point where people will turn on this, but based off of Tuesday night alone, it felt like it had almost unilateral support. So Scotty, as, as a basketball fan, you've been following a long time. I know you have your feelings about KD uh, and Kyrie as well. Um, I love KD. <clears throat> do you? Yeah, two rings. <laughs> All right. That's true. Two rings, then a piece. Um, <laughs> give us, give us your, your take here as we've had our second. Cause remember last year, you weren't a big fan of the play in when the Memphis Grizzlies knocked your golden state warriors out of the playoffs. No, but that's really the only reason why. I mean, no, I love this. I, I love the idea that, uh, and, and I stress the word idea that uh, we're going to prevent teams from from tanking um, by having this playing tournament for the for the final two seeds in, in each conference uh, where you run into trouble. And I think this is where you might meet some opposition is teams like Portland, for example, found a loophole and we're just like, well, uh, fine, we're not in it. We're going to trade everyone except Damian Lillard. And, you know, everyone else above us in the seven, eight, nine and 10 slots are like just as bad as we are. So we can kind of mask ourselves. Um, and so you had San Antonio, who was 16 games under or 15 games under 500 uh, competing for a playoff spot, which while I, I understand the, the spirit of the, the tournament is not where you want to be. Uh, if you're if you're in the commissioner's office, you don't want to see those teams, uh, you know, that are that are not presenting the level of competition of, at a playoff level, uh, getting there. Granted, I know it's only the seven of the eight seed, and you're going to play one of the two top teams uh, in your conference. Still, anything can happen in the NBA playoffs. We've all we've all seen it. We've all seen the uh, the the eights beat the ones, the sevens beat the two, the eight beat the one. Uh, 
uh, Warriors against Utah, the We Believe Year. How about that? Um, but uh, rare as it is, uh, you, you you don't want to. I don't. I think writ large, NBA fans, it's not like college basketball where you want to see the upset. You want to see those teams at the top keep moving on and get to the conference finals where you're going to see a one-two or one-three or two-three uh, matchup. Um, and so I think that's that's where you run into trouble. But otherwise, the premise of it is really, really great. I love uh, the the competition that's brought in those games uh, because they're always going to be close uh, when you're fighting for your playoff lives, unless you have a, a team of, of no like guys who who just want to get on the, onto the boat and on vacation, put the put the line in the water. Uh, uh, then and I don't think at this point in the season you have have that with with those teams that have made it that far so, but so uh, i really enjoy uh the competition of the games i think it could be uh trouble moving forward if those loopholes uh start to get to catch on a little bit in uh in you know doing well enough and that means you're 16 games over 500 i think it's a not the exception not the rule and to, this year was an anomaly but we'll see yeah i so my feelings on the on the playing tournament, and you hit on a, a few things there that that I absolutely agree with. I I was a big fan of it this year. I really enjoyed it last year, though most of the games were duds, with the exception of the Memphis and Golden State game. Now Golden yeah. State last year they were a little bit of an outlier, right? Like Steph was hurt for the majority of the season. They were you know Clay was obviously Draymond out the whole time. Too. Draymond was in and out, and I think Draymond played in that game, but it was really it was like Draymond and I think a shell of of Steph Curry really yeah. that they were just and Jordan Poole, who by the way Jordan Poole if he doesn't win six man of the, well I guess Tyler Hero has deserved it, but Jordan Poole should be most improved if nobody else. That that dude has been an absolute flamethrower all season. Love watching him play, especially. You know, he was when the Warriors had that super hot start to start off this year. He was a huge reason why, and he yep. sacrificed because Clay Thompson came back, and he recognized how important Clay was. But now Steve Kerr, who I still think is one of the best coaches in basketball, has done a great job of getting all three of those guys out on the court at the same time, which has made them again when they're all healthy, really, really dangerous because all three of those guys are can, can pour it in from deep, right? All three of those with, guys can be with playing. Andrew Wiggins too. Like, yeah, with like, Wiggins, and then you play small formidable... ball with Draymond, right? So you yeah. have Draymond as your five, assuming they're all there. Um, but going to specifically to the play in tournament. So I do really enjoy this idea that like small market teams have a moment. And the best example of that was Minnesota. Right. You're right. The league, do they want to see Minnesota in a conference finals or an NBA finals? Absolutely not. But is it good for the league to see Minnesota on a national stage and to see that fit since 2005? How many playoff wins do you guys think the Minnesota Timberwolves have since 2005? Oh, when did KG leave? Uh, if, if he left in, in 2007 is when or two, he got traded for the 2008, 2007-2008 season. So Katie's okay, last year was 06-07. My guess is two. I said four. One. Oof. One playoff game in 17 years, the Minnesota, Minnesota Timberwolves won. So then when LeBron, being douchebag LeBron, tweets out like, 10 laughing emojis because Pat Beverly's going nuts and the Minnesota fans are going ape shit and everybody's freaking out and ripping off their clothes and having a great time. Like, Hey, LeBron, shut the fuck up. You're not even playing in the playoffs. So you don't have a right to say anything right now, not for this season anyway. And, and on top of that too, like that's, what's incredible. 
it was that's what Cleveland did when LeBron started there too. So like, it's just funny, not the same way, but like, it's not a playoff game, but or play in game, but without a doubt, like the same excitement around like a, a fan base who hasn't been recognized being recognized in a sport, even if you've been recognized for other sports, especially like, that's Minnesota. a big deal. Dude, yeah. Minnesota has all four professional leagues, right? They have the twins, they have the wild, they have the Vikings and they have the Timberwolves. And the, by far, we talk about sad sports cities. That city has it worse, Minneapolis, than any. I mean, who is the team with the best yeah, chance of winning anything, right? <laughs> but no, Detroit at least has had the Pistons. The Pistons won in 2004. The Red Wings. <laughs> you know, and the Red Wings, who went on a freaking dynasty, <laughs> right? Like, who? And the Tigers have won. Uh, the, no, they were in the World Series, though. But, like, no team in Minnesota has even been in a professional championship since, I think, the Vikings yeah. When like it was like Tarkenton, which I think the kicker, oh which I think that was like in the 90s. And even still, they weren't even in the actual Super no. Bowl. That was in the they, NFC championship game. So yeah, that's hard. It was. Uh, yeah, I know who you're talking about the kicker. Um, my God, I'm going to hate this. Oh, yeah, Fran I'm Tarkenton gonna, was the quarterback. The but quarterback. The kick, back the, in the day. But the kicker. Yeah. yeah. Mark Anderson, um, I want to say. But yeah. Yeah. So like they don't even have teams get to the championship. Like the closest Minnesota's been in the last 30 Kirby years was, was the was the year they got smoked by the Eagles in the NFC championship game. So who cares if it like at the end of the day, and we try to like incorporate some of our fandom, but also recognize and try to be rational. Like that's a big dynamic we work on on this pod. But if my if none of my teams had even sniffed a playoff, like a championship or a playoff run in 30 years, I would freak the fuck out too. Well, and right. I think, well, and, and the Minneapolis miracle round two happened recently, but to your point, but then they got crushed Minnesota, by the Eagles. They got crushed. And, and, and I guess the point is they've had they, like that moment, I think is a moment that a city will remember for years and years to come in the playoffs. That was incredible. But then you get rid of digs the next year. Like it's just, it's not like and you're Kirk building Cousins, something. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's a little different. I'm just really happy for these folks. I work with a lot of people from Minnesota right now. And uh, I can tell you, they were all stoked this week. Um, and, and what's really fun about it is to your point, when you, a city kind of comes on the scene and um, has exciting players, has an exciting moment like that. Everyone, like you said, everyone gets excited except for very few like LeBron, right? You know what I mean? Like everyone gets pretty amped for that. It's like, fuck yeah, man. Like this is a sick moment for this city. And, and it's a sick moment for, small markets kind of everywhere or teams that are down like shit, man, we could be that team in a, in a year or two. It, it gives you belief in the off season, like, Oh, but Minnesota, like you, you start talking about that team a little bit and it doesn't yeah. really matter even the sport. It's really fun. And, and I'm just so stoked that um, they end up getting like getting through and all that. And, and these last two games, which is crazy, which again, we'll see soon are, are the players in them. I think like for me, again, I'm more of the casual fan. And, and I get more involved right now, but what's happening here is like, man, like Paul George kind of lit it up last game. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like just starting to dial back in and be like, fuck man, that guy still got it. Like it's just, and he only started, he only started playing. He missed almost yeah, the whole season. Weeks ago. It was literally, it was like three yeah. weeks ago. He came back <laughs> and again, Vito, and no like, Kawhi <laughs> as age, but this is why like in Vito, you're a perfect example, right? Like the generic fan, the casual fan who's coming in, 
not really following the whole regular season because the NBA's biggest problem is their regular season. It's too long. People don't care. And people tune in right now. And the play-in game gives them a little bit of a taste. And if they can do things like, A, shorten the season, get it to 72 games, I think that'd be better. Starting the season later, starting it at Christmas time so you're not competing with the NFL for the first third of your season. And then also, if they actually ever do something like a mid-season tournament, like soccer does, I think that would be a great – I think those are all great things the NBA can do to keep people invested during the regular season. But what I loved about the play-in tournament was the play-in tournament felt like Adam Silver's first big step into changing the David Stern era, right? Like, like and that's not to diminish, you know, what Silver's done in terms of, of progressiveness and, and growing the league in a lot of ways, which he's done a good job in his first five years as the commissioner – but he wants to change things. He wants to add things like the play-in tournament. He wants to add things like the mid-season tournament. And, and you'll never get the owners to, or governors to agree on it, you know, shorting in the games, right? Because that's money out of their pocket from a TV thing. But if they could make that money up from a mid-season tournament, maybe they would be down for that, right? And, and I commend the creativity of it. But I just, I loved seeing, now Patrick Beverly is someone who like has pissed me off a bunch. I'm not going to lie. Like he's so over the top. Me he's, too, Jeff. <laughs> he's a, he's a, he's a little crazy, but he reminds me of the hockey enforcer, right? Like the guy who would yeah, be the fourth on, line guy. Yeah. The guy would be on someone <laughs> else's team that you'd be like, God, we have to go up against this dude. Like yeah. Chris, uh, uh, was it drooly? Well, who was the guy who played for the Rangers? Jury. Jury. That dude, every time the Flyers went up against him, as, as rivals, it just pissed me off because I'm just like, God, we have to deal with this little fucking brat running around there. Like, I hated that guy. And that's, A, great for the sport, but then when they win and the way he embraced that city, and not, not to mention the Clippers were the team he played for last year who didn't sign and re-sign him, so there was a little revenge factor there. I thought it was so great for basketball to have a moment like that, and I think it's proof that the play-in games can and will work in the future. Now, the one little caveat I would throw in there is that the first year we have a seven seed lose in the seven, eight game and then lose again and miss the playoffs, people will be pissed. People will be furious because if you've earned the right to be a seven seed, which isn't the last seed, it's the second to last, you should be able to be in the playoffs. And And I get that. But that's when you come to the cost benefit analysis of, well, is that going to be worth it? And once we experience that, you know, maybe enough good things will happen that we'll say, you know what, it's still worth it. But what do you guys think about? Like, would you, would, would that change your mindset? Having a seven seed miss the playoffs, would that be not worth seeing the stuff that we've seen from the Timberwolves and, and from Brooklyn and, and even teams like Pelicans who are still hanging on by thread and have a chance to make the playoffs now? It's definitely different, right? It's like, I feel if it's your team, you're pissed off beyond all hell. If you hate someone on that team, you're rejoicing and it's so fun. And so you play the odds in that situation. Most people will probably be happy if someone loses that's a seven C because a lot of people are like, oh, thank God they're not in it or whatever the case may be. But for me, as a, again, more casual fan jumping in after, like you said it, after the NFL, right? We have that whole style. Then we move on to um, really we get into college basketball with March Madness. Then we get the kickoff of, of the spring with the masters. And now it's like, all right, what's, what's your move here. And a mini tournament going into the playoffs, I think raises the stakes because to be honest, without this, the first round doesn't mean much. There's like two or three competitive matchups. Usually most of the higher seeds win and you move on. And 
it's not like March Madness, Scotty, to your point, where you're rooting for a lot of upsets because you want the quality teams in at the end. Um, and it's a little different because, you know, usually that kind of sorts itself out. But to be able to have teams that are on the fringe to make it in and to make the playoffs and even have that opportunity, it's some aspect of, of fun and something new and fresh. And I love that Adam Silver's doing this stuff. I love the tournament style. I think this is a great addition to basketball. And from my standpoint, I love this. I don't care who wins, who loses. It's something exciting that's happening right now. Instead of in another two weeks, you got to wait for all these first round matchups to end to get to like competitive basketball. That's like worth, it feels like things mean a lot more. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> NBA playoffs are a slog, my man. Yeah. And they start on Saturday. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, ahead, no, I, but that's a hundred percent. Right. Vito is like, for for the most part people don't care like they just want they want the four teams at the at the bottom of the the conference tournament there to just play like it does not matter at the end of the day largely because um it, if that scenario does play out right and a 7 seed uh loses two in a row and gets knocked out cuz they had two bad nights whatever i think the only reason people would be angry is the benefit of hindsight like hmm. at the end of the day, did it really matter uh, whether or not uh, 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 Minnesota or, or the Clippers or Sacramento or whoever lost two games just because it wasn't their night and didn't go to the playoffs, even though their regular season uh, uh, numbers had them as, as a seven seed? No, uh, because they're going to go up I against. Think it, but, yeah, but I think it kind of does. Right. Because th- this is what I go to say about like Minnesota, like Minnesota's just excited to be in the fucking dance. Right. Like we say that about teams all like look at North Carolina, North Carolina could have won a national championship and they barely made the NCAA tournament after the year that they had and struggling through the beginning and getting blown out by Pitt. Right. No UNC fans were just stoked that in their first year with Hubert Davis, that they could be in the dance. Now are Cinderella's and runs like that more common in college in the NBA. No question. But isn't the beauty of being a fan just happy that your team's even there. Now, if you're a, a toiling in mediocrity for, for five straight years, like pre, pre-processed Sixers, right, when it was Elton Brand, right, and, and, and Drew Holiday, like rookie Drew Holiday, and, all the, and Andre Godala. Carolyn's Noel. And, yeah, right. We're, we're talking about teams like that, that like they were just the seven or eight seed every single year. They never got any better. They weren't getting any free agents. And they, eventually you hit a point where you're like, yeah, no, I don't want to be this anymore. We have to change. I think Portland, as you brought up earlier, Scott, is a great example. Portland's like, yeah, we can be the four seed or the five seed. In some years, we might make the Western Conference Finals, but then we get swept by the by the Golden State Warriors in 2019 because we just don't have the horses to hang, right? And at that point, you want to do it. But you look at the fan bases like Minnesota and like New Orleans, who lost a superstar, and then the number one over pick they were super, you know, they were super excited about, and Zion has only played in less than half of the games he should have at this point. Like they're just happy to be at the dance. And if yeah. you're the seven seed fan and that gets ripped away from you because of this play in tournament, I can totally see how pissed, how pissed off you hundred percent, hundred percent. But I think yeah. I, to a, to a larger degree, that parody that exists is because of that, right? Like guys like Zion aren't say, saying they want out of new Orleans because now yeah. you have, you have those guys like in a, a meaningful scenario in an NBA game. And just because they lose two and get knocked out and don't go on to the, the full first round of the playoffs shouldn't mean that they, that they want to leave any less or any more than they, than they did before. Right. 
Uh, and so I think that would only attract more people to come there and be like, shit, uh, this team got uh, to to the eight seed and, and got knocked out or uh, the, to the eight uh, spot in the regular season and got knocked out of the play in tournament. Yeah. If I join that team, we're a six seed. We don't have to worry about this shit. Yeah. So or, or higher. You do get a you do get a benefit of the doubt in that you can chalk it up to saying it was it was a bad game. Right. Like, hey, we had we had just a, a rough two game stretch. And it was kind of thrown off. So I agree with you in the terms of team building from a front office perspective. You can your record is still your record in the regular season. I think the fans ultimately of that whatever fan base end up getting hurt by it. But I also think that this is what I say it's it's six in one hand and half a dozen in the other, right? Because if Minnesota knocks out New Orleans or or vice versa, right? And their two fan bases who are both striving for it, one fan base feels like shit, and the other fan base feels elated because they found a way to sneak into the playoffs. So I think it ends up being kind of a net zero between the two, but ultimately I, I I think it's a great thing for the NBA, but I do think whenever that first year happens, there will be pushback. I think for me, one thing that I really like about it, because I've been thinking about this a little bit is um, in the NFL, we have first round buys because you need a week between games and you know, all that stuff. And now there's only one seed that gets it, but there were two right or for a while and mm-hmm. i was thinking like what if the nba just extends 10 you know 10 playoff teams on each side and then we end up like having a bye for the first two rounds for the first two teams right this is what baseball is doing by the way well the this point is that, is that, that same if, model if you do that you're almost adding a full not a full round but it, it's just a little different because now you're playing more games and it, it's the point is that like it doesn't actually equal up in that case. Actually, we need to end up cutting it shorter, having a first two buy, first round buy with an extra one. But the, the point of where I'm getting at is that if we re-sculpted the NBA playoffs to have buys in it, it actually would suck because you'd have full weeks or two weeks off. And then all of a sudden these other teams would come in. And I think this is a really balanced way to make it more competitive. Like the the NFL could take away one by and throw in an extra team, right? So we have seven playoff teams for each, each conference. And that makes sense for basketball. This makes the most sense. Like let's throw in a few games. Let's not make it crazy. Not another whole series, not all this other stuff. And let's make it. So it's more competitive. You have more teams there at the back end that are in, in this range and they can make it in. And to your point, Jeff too, like not only, I, I like that parody. I think it fits this league correctly. This association, sorry. And, uh, and um, the other piece of it, which I actually really, really like, is the fact that at some point, at some point, there is going to be a nine or it's someone who is out, lo- out the outside looking in, making a deep ass run. And, mm-hmm. and there will be other teams being like, they shouldn't even be in the playoffs, right? But you know, the players want to play the best people. They don't well, give that's, shit. I mean, think about the most memorable Super Bowls of the last 20 years, right? Two out of the top three are the Giants making it as a wildcard team and, and making a run and winning the Super Bowl, right? Yeah. Like, like in, in both times they beat the Patriots. And I love that example you brought up about the NFL veto for slightly different reasons than what you were implying. But ultimately, I think it kind of achieves the same goal. But think about when the NFL made that rule and we said, okay, only the first, the number one seed gets a buy. The, re- the instant reaction from fans was, well, this is just going to make it easier for the one seed. The one seeds are just going to roll through. And I don't know, have we had a one seed make the Super Bowl in the last two years? I don't know. 
not in the last th- two. Because the last two years no. since they changed the rule. Tampa. And who did Tampa play? Uh, they played Tampa City. beat Green Bay, who was the number one, and, and took Tampa. Uh, Kansas City might have been a one seed. Okay. I think they were the one seed when they beat yeah. Kansas City. But three out of the four teams that made the Super Bowl since the NFL has changed to that model have not been one seeds, right? And yeah. and the main uh, com- the main well, com- Niners were a one too. No, no, but but, they- but that was but that wasn't when the rule changed, Scott. Oh, oh, you're right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, I'm just talking about the last two years. Um, the complaint has been that we don't need the Eagles as the seventh seed and the Steelers as the seventh seed in the playoffs just to get the shit handed to them or however the rankings ended up working. I think it was the Eagles and and the Steelers. That's been the main complaint. It's like, oh, well, both of those games are blowouts. Why do we need this team in here who goes nine and eight or whatever to make the playoffs? But even still, I would argue that just like you said, Vito, that one of those teams as a seventh seed, one of these years is going to make a run to the NFC or AFC championship games. And then we're going to feel completely different about it. And people are going to remember that Super Bowl as the underdog team that ran all the way up. So I think that's a great comparison. I think and, in the NBA, it's more difficult because you're playing seven game series. Yeah. And, and ultimately <laughs> over a seven game series, the best team's going to win. But Scotty, 10 minutes ago, you brought up the Memphis Grizzlies team and, and, and the, uh, 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 the Golden State We Believe team, right? Like those were teams that were eight seeds, seven seeds, and still made deep runs in the playoffs. I remember the year the the Sixers were the eight seed, and granted, Derek Rose was the year Derek Rose tore his ACL, but they were the eight seed, and they beat the number one seed Chicago Bulls, right? And again, their best player, who was the reigning MVP at the time, tore his ACL. So like maybe it's not a perfectly you know, direct comparison there. But I do think like, I remember that as a Sixers fan, because that was a really fun run. And the Sixers yeah. almost found their way into the Eastern Conference finals through way of, you know, injuries and other things, but it was still, it was still really good. And, and I ultimately, I think when we talk about the play-in game in this idea of challenging what we think of traditionally, right? That's ultimately the biggest hurdle here is that, when you think, oh, if you're a seven seed, oh, well, you earned your spot in the title. But why do we think that? Like, why do we think that as a seven seed, you've earned your spot there? Because that's how we've always thought about it. And my number one thing, and I've used this argument so many times in sports, is that if your argument for, I use it for the all NBA thing, right? All NBA voting, you've had to pick two guards, two, vo- two forwards, and a center, right? In my opinion, it should be like all star voting. You have your front court and your back court. If you have yep. two centers in your back court, awesome. Or your front court, awesome. Doesn't matter. You get three guys in your back or in your front court, two guys in your back court. And that's and yeah. that's how ultimately it's going to work. But the reason people don't want to change that is because, well, we've always done it this way. And that's such a bullshit argument to say that, oh, well, we've always done it this way, so we have to do it. There's no merit to that. You're, you're banking on tradition and tradition alone. There's no logic. There's no reasoning. There's no statistics. You're just saying that we've always done it this way, so we're going to con- continue to do it this way. And I think the more we're willing to challenge that, the more entertaining these products who feel stale during the reg- regular season, right? The more that that brings value to a younger generation who is eager to consume a product, but in a way that seems more exciting and, and relevant and interesting. And, I, and so I've just become a big fan over the last couple of days watching these games. And we're talking about like, what, eight teams that played in the last two days. And I don't really give a shit about any of them. Like, like I don't think any of them in, in two months when we're crowning an NBA championship, we're, we're going to think about them. But in this moment, as fans, it gets people locked in. And ultimately, to see LaMelo Ball 
a young budding superstar playing in a game that matters absolutely translates and resonates with with young fans and i think that's great for the league as a whole um the only other thing with the playing games i want to hit on here before we take a break and do a little nba playoff preview uh the brooklyn nets so i have been terrified of the brooklyn nets since they absolutely obliterated the sixers the three of us were doing a pod right before that game i was up in new jersey and they absolutely embarrassed James Harden and the Sixers. This was like five or six games into James Harden being a Philadelphia 76er. What we've learned that with Seth Curry's ankle injury, this team is going, you're going to give up 30 to 50 to KD and you're going to give up probably 30 to 40 to Kyrie. And you don't have to worry about nothing else. You're going to let those guys get their 70 points combined, but who else is putting in buckets from the rest? Nobody. They play no defense. They have zero bench. They have nobody else. And I think the Boston Celtics are going to absolutely run through them. And we'll get into more of that when we preview the actual playoffs. But what Cleveland did without Jared Allen, with a banged up Evan Mobley, with no Colin Sexton, who's out for the year, and the fact that they almost stole that game from Brooklyn was super eye-opening to me as to maybe we shouldn't fear Brooklyn as much as we should or as much as we thought. Because I know KD and Kyrie are terrifying, but maybe in the long run this year without the team around them, maybe they're not as scary as they seemed in that game in Philly. Don't jinx yeah. it. <laughs> like the, Sixers aren't, the Sixers wouldn't have to play them until the finals anyway, so this isn't even right. a Sixers bias thing. I no, just mean just, like – I agree with you because there are a lot of teams I like, and, and there is something about like everything that Kyrie coming back his whole deal, uh, KD, just that team forming and, and, and kind of storming and getting going here is scary for the league. But I personally, I would have loved to have seen Cleveland win that game for multiple reasons. But I agree with you. Like, it, they showed something. Because for me, again, I don't follow much, but I knew about that game. Because Harden was just there as a big test. And it was like, oh, shit, this, is, this wasn't a good night. Whatever you want to say about it, it just didn't work out that night. And I hope... Um, that at least we're, we will see some skill from KD, which you said we will. We'll see them score. We'll see the fun. But what I hope is that, like, we will see teams make it far in the playoffs, not two individuals going off. Yeah. Because that's fun in the regular season, but honestly, it gets a little exhausting in, in the postseason when you see that. It, it is. And, and so even when the three of them were together before Harden got traded, uh, and even after, uh, we were talking about still how uh, this was one of the most the deepest teams on the NBA, like scary deep. And and if they had everybody healthy and on the floor, uh, they would probably not even be playing in the play, and they'd be in the in if not the top seed in the top three. Um, and so, I think a, a large part of their issue now is. Katie was out for an extended period of time after Harden got traded uh, for the uh, the majority of the rest of the game, the not the eleven games that Kyrie played, right? Uh, and, and so those guys carry the load, uh, and now they're they're a little worn down. And you have to depend on Katie and Kyrie to score, but there's nothing else supporting that, right? Uh, it, say for for Seth Curry, and even he's 
banged up. Yeah. Uh, so, so I, I don't know. I think there's that number one and number two, those two guys, both Katie and Kyrie for as good as they are and as talented as they are, they take a minute to heat up in the place in the postseason, right? They're not just like, Oh, postseason switch done. Let's go. It's it. They take a minute to, to get going. Uh, and, and, uh, we saw that with with Kyrie, both with Cleveland and when he was with Boston, uh, and and that's going to be a fun series. Uh, but um, uh, but KD too, you know. Uh, and, and I mean, I would I push back on the K. I would push back on the KD thing. I, 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 K, yeah. K, KD is is because, and this is why, right? Last year we said similar things about Brooklyn because Kyrie it, going into the playoffs. James Harden had the hamstring issue when he was on Brooklyn, right? So it, it was basically KD Kyrie. Joe Harris was there, but he was not playing well in the playoffs. You had Blake Griffin kind of giving a little bit. Blake Griffin's not even sniffing the floor right now. You have a young Nick Claxton, right? And, and now they have at least Andre Drummond, who at least gives you something, right, on the low block. At least it's, it's a big rebounder. But, like, when you actually watch Andre Drummond play, uh, he, he's not good enough to be your starting center. KD was an inch away from being in the Eastern Conference Finals without Harden or Kyrie because Kyrie rolled his ankle in game one against Milwaukee. And KD is good enough. That's round two. I mean, if you look at his numbers from that series, I mean, he's average. He had 55. He had 45. He was was just going absolutely apeshit. And that's why when they say, you know, when you're talking about, you know, postseason matchups, it's who has the best player on the floor. Like that actually means something. Whereas in the NFL – you know, you might have Tom Brady, but Tom Brady's not playing middle linebacker. Tom Brady's not playing D end, right? So Tom Brady's only going to field for part of the time. If KD's on the floor for a full 48 minutes, that is an absolute game changer when you're talking about what he can do. And KD to this right now, if I'm if I need one guy in the NBA as we stand to be my guy for a, a postseason basketball game, there's no one on earth I'm taking before Kevin Durant. So I do believe that single handedly he can get them to a first round win. But my big question is Kyrie. Kyrie played an almost flawless game against Cleveland, and they still barely won. KD played fantastic against Cleveland, and they still barely won. And those two guys are going to get theirs and be spectacular, but Kyrie also has to play every other day now. Like, I, I, everyone talked about how Kyrie could just be interjected into a, a lineup when he was missing you like know, a vaccine, right? He would play a, like he would play once a week. Kyrie would play once a week and put up 50. And we'd be like, oh my God, Kyrie, imagine what happens when he comes back. Well, you can do that when you only have to play basketball one time a week and you're as talented as Kyrie Irving is. But when you have to play every other day, and since he's been fully back and able to play home games for Brooklyn, he has not been the same guy that we saw who was only playing once or twice a week on road games. And I think that means, I think that has a huge impact on them. All right. Um, let's take a break. Cause we're already starting to get into pre uh, preview talk, do some, some first round preview of the playoffs, come back, take a break. And uh, we'll get to the NBA playoff preview after this. All right. NBA playoffs are kicking off. And I'm, I'm, I mean, obviously we just talked a bunch about the play-ins, but as I kind of said too, it's like, once we get into the actual playoffs, the play-ins will just be like, it's just gonna be gone out of our minds. Like we're not even really going to think about it. 
there's some like really legitimate, intriguing first round matchups. I'd go far as far as to say is that other than like Milwaukee, Chicago, uh, and and probably Phoenix and whoever they end up playing, like I don't know, man. Like if Atlanta wins the eight seed, I wouldn't be shocked if Atlanta beat Miami. Like Miami to me isn't like a super. But like I don't buy all the way in on Miami the way that other people have bought all the way in. Now I, I like Miami and I believe in the Heat culture stuff, but I don't have them in that same regard as as we're holding one seeds in the past. Kind of like how you know the Sixers were last year. Like yeah, they were the one seed, but they had flaws and they were definitely you know that's what I think that's what makes this so fun, particularly the Eastern Conference side of this. And in the West, it's just can anybody knock off Phoenix? Um, Vito, I want to start with you here. Because, again, you are our resident casual basketball fan. Um, sure. And and I'm curious, like, looking at the first round of the NBA playoffs mm-hmm. and having, obviously, a, a relatively limited knowledge, I've been following super closely all year, what sticks out to you as, like, a series, a matchup, a player that you think is really, like, that you're really excited to sit down and watch them, you know, kind of start battling it out head-to-head? Well, I, because I'm in Philly, I'm a huge Embiid fan. And I just love watching him play just because of how athletic he is. Like, he's a fun Must. player to watch. And, uh, you know, so obviously I'll, I'll start there. I think him, the Joker, like these big dudes who are athletic are so fun to watch. You're like, damn it. Like, guards used to envy those skills yeah. like 20 years ago, it felt like, right? Like, I don't know. I mean, there Embiid's were hitting people- pull-up threes and, and Jokic is running offenses like Chris Paul. And you're just like, what, what is even happening? How are these it's guys seven feet tall? So doing nuts. <laughs> well, like, all right. Cause I always think back to like, let's say Dirk Nowitzki, right? He was the tall guy who was like very skilled, but he played out in the perimeter. He could go inside, but he wasn't on the athletic side. He wasn't transitioning in and out of that so much and running point. I mean, he also had Steve Nash for a little bit running point for him. So it was a little different, but at the same time, like the skill set, I feel like even though we've seen big guys with quote unquote perimeter player skills, I yeah. don't think we've seen guys, at least I either forgot or, or need to watch some tape, but the guy, the way they move is impressive. Seeing it happen. I actually went to a Sixers game. Is that last weekend? <laughs> Two weekends ago? I don't know, man. I've been traveling a lot, but uh, I went to a Sixers game recently. And it was a lot of damn fun just to watch those guys actually move around on the court. And it's impressive just to see, cause you'll see, right. Anyone who goes to games, you see the halftime show, these guys jumping off trampolines, dunking, whatever, <laughs> warm up stuff. And then you see like, MB just run and jump and dunk. And you're like, that was more impressive than all of that shit. Right. Like it's just incredible. That's why you're the main attraction. So definitely him. And the other player, um, that honestly, we'll, we'll see what happens with the Pelicans. I'm actually excited to watch this, but, um, uh, Brandon Ingram. Interesting. I don't know why that guy for me, like he, I know like the most recent game he played, he scored like whatever, a bunch of points. He's been scoring more. And I know that they've had some different players go in and out, but he's a guy I haven't seen a lot. I haven't seen him play a lot. So if you're a casual fan like me, I was looking up some different players, right. And who's been like kind of scoring, who's exciting. And that name kept coming up on like a list of people to watch. And I was like, hey, you know what? I actually haven't seen him play. So now for me, this is going to be fun to like pick on a few players. And again, he's on the Pelicans, so he's in the play-in, but um, hopefully even further. But that, it's players like that. 
I mentioned Paul George already, just some older players who like, do they still have it kind of deal for, for mm-hmm. again, the more casual fans. And then also who are the young guys that are developing and, and are like just showing up and, and every year in the playoffs, you go back to Jordan, the last dance they talked about, right. When he, his like year that he made the playoffs was second year when they, they, even after his injury and limited playing time, he goes, makes the playoffs and yeah. has that incredible. Uh, he puts up, six, games 60, he puts yeah. up 63 against Boston. Yeah. It's one of the most and, iconic. And, and you know, what's my favorite part about that. And, and by the way, this is the shameless plug for another podcast, which I, we have to be the one podcast that plug other podcasts more than anyone else in the country. <laughs> um, but Jackie McMullen, who is arguably in my, I think the greatest M- NBA writer of all time. Um, she's doing a podcast series right now. Uh, for the ringer called the icons club. And it's this amazing story about, you know, how superstars have their own language and how they kind of speak to each other through generations, dating all the way back to like Wilt Chamberlain and Bill Russell. Um, But, you know, one of the stories is Larry Bird that night um, talked about Michael Jordan. They asked him. And meanwhile, the 86 Celtics that year you're referring to are considered by many to be the greatest team in NBA history he said it bird said that was the best team i've ever been on by far and bird said of michael jordan that night he goes that wasn't michael jordan he's like that was god disguised as michael jordan yeah and when larry (laughs) bird says that about you that is an all-time like might be one of the greatest playoff performances of all time considering how bad that chicago team was anyway so you're looking forward to seeing the young bucks right i am so any are there any other names that you guys would suggest for casual fans in round one on these teams that maybe doesn't get the publicity, but are absolute phenoms. So I'll, I'll give you just like I did for the masters, right? By the way, did you take Harry Higgs top 20? I took Harry Higgs top 10. Oh, I know the top 20 hit plus eight fifty. I, I know I went top 10. One I'm, the, I'm an odds guy. It was one of the three I got right for you though. I wanted, I wanted, <laughs> I so wanted to hard. win. Well, I needed because I, I didn't, wanted I didn't win any of my bets on Masters Week, so I was hoping that I'd at least get some payout for the you know for the finders fee there. Um, it's fine. Hey, Harry Higgs, uh, shout out to you. But my my playoff team for you that would be the equivalent of that is the Memphis Grizzlies. Um, the Memphis Grizzlies are a young, exciting team. John Morant is that dude of the future. Ja. He, he is yeah. so exhilarating and, and, but it's not just jaw. Like jaw is unbelievable. If he had stayed healthy the whole year, he would have been a top. He not only would have made first team all NBA, he would have been a, a, a top five MVP candidate. Um, but they didn't need you. They were 22 without him. In the <laughs> oh yeah. They were, they were great without him, but that's what I'm saying is that it's not just jaw. It's Dylan Brooks. It's it, it's it's uh, Stephen Adams, right? The the crafty New Zealand vet who's been around and can body guys still up. playing. It's yeah. it's Jaron Jackson Jr. who's coming off the the yeah. ACL tear in the bubble has had a fantastic year and is in the running for Defensive Player of the Year. Will definitely make All Defensive Team. They have so many young, exciting guys. You would love Ryan Anderson. His nickname is Slow Mo. He is like a six foot nine, slow white dude who can just dish the ball and shoot threes and nothing else. But he plays at his own pace and he's so clearly less athletic than everybody else, but is a really valuable and good NBA player. The Memphis Grizzlies, the, the rise and grind like that, that should be the veto team this year. I mean, obviously root for the Sixers. You got your Philly ties and we'll always take any Sixers on um, eh, you know, Clay, Clay Thompson, baby. Let's we all go. love Clay. We all love Clay, and we, you have your special ties to Clay too. Um, 
but no, man, I, I, I would say hands down for you, the Memphis Grizzlies are the, the Brian San Vito team of the playoffs. Love it, man. Love it. It's just so exciting. Um, Scotty, other than your Warriors, I'll ask you the same question. <laughs> All right. Okay. Who, who are the teams slash, slash players that you're most excited about storylines heading into round one of the playoffs? Um, I think a storyline has to be Brooklyn against Boston, not only for the rivalry, but for the fact that Kyrie gets to go back mm-hmm. and, and play uh, against Boston in the series. And you know Jason Tatum is probably just chomping at the bit to just demolish him uh, in, in, a, in a playoff series. Um, and then for me, can Luca, you know, get past the first round uh, with Dallas, right? Uh, and that's a tough matchup against Utah. Uh, well, he's hurt now good. too, right? I mean, that's yeah. that calf strain the other night. Calves are tricky, man. Like that's what happened with KD, right? It was yep. a calf strain that all of a sudden turned into an Achilles and then pop in the NBA finals. He comes back too soon. Uh, I think that's, that's actually dashed a lot of my excitement because that would have been my pick would have been yeah. to see what Luca, because the way that Lucas heated up over the last, honestly, like the last month before that injury was just electrifying. Like it was like, this is the dude who could be the new face of the NBA that I've been saying for a while. Like, I, I don't know how many other guys you get down on the list before you start talking about Luca as the guy you'd want to build a team around because he's again, like he, he is that dude. He's hit big shots. He's hit playoff big shots. He's hit game winners and he's still only like 22 years old. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, the last two for me are, are the teams that are in like prove it mode. Uh, which are, are are Miami, who's the one seed in the East, uh, and, and rightfully so. Um, but that's going to be a gauntlet to get through, especially when you're talking about you're going to get one of either Brooklyn, Boston, Philly, or, or Milwaukee probably um, in the conference finals. Um, so, and plus, not to mention they were in the the NBA finals two years ago in the bubble. Uh, so, this is this is a big uh, prove it uh, campaign for them in the postseason and Phoenix as well. Um, I think is a, is a team that, that at this point is like, prove it. Uh, Cause you got to the finals last year. Uh, you, you've, you've played your way well enough to be considered uh, the, the best basketball team in the NBA right now. By uh, far. Bar yeah. and, and, and it's not even close. Uh, and, and can you, can you get through the ground of the playoffs and, and seal the deal this year? I, I the Phoenix Suns are the team because I love Chris Paul. A lot of people don't like Chris Paul. I love Chris Paul. I think he reminds me a little bit of Isaiah Thomas, you know, and how he was viewed amongst his contemporaries. Now, Isaiah Thomas did some things, said some shit and, and put himself in positions to to not get that adoration that so many other guys in his era did. But because of that, he didn't get appreciated. I think for Chris Paul, it's. He gets so much held against him, whether it was from the injuries, whether it was from the stuff with those Clippers teams, Blake and DeAndre, that never quite panned out in the postseason, even though almost every year other than one, they always had one of their guys hurt. And they were also going up against really good teams at the same time. So, like, I always gave Chris Paul the benefit of the doubt, but, like, the one dude who always showed up, who always makes his team better no matter what, and legitimately couldn't give less of a shit about how much he scores or anybody else – he just does his job. I want to see Chris Paul win a championship. I would love to see a rematch between Phoenix and Milwaukee this year. I think that'd be great. But the one team kind of that I think can kind of get in the way of that is the Boston Celtics because I'm really curious to see what Jason Tatum does. 
because Jason Tatum right now is right on that bubble of, of being a top like seven to eight guy in the league and he can score with anybody, but he's also probably going to be an all defensive team member this year. He's playing at an elite level. He's going to finish in the top five in MVP voting. I, I, I would bet my house on it. Not that I own this house, but if I did own this house, I would bet it on it. Like that, right. like done. <laughs> Scott, I'll let the, my get the, get the pink slips to the house. Me I'll hit. Yeah. In on this. I'll hit. I'll hit up my landlord, but no, he's going to finish top five in MVP voting. And I just, even though it's the Celtics and right, you're not supposed to like them or whatever. I always had a soft spot for the Celtics growing up because the Sixers were always kind of a terrible guy. Because they were always <laughs> kind of terrible. So like yeah. I didn't, it wasn't until I got older and I understood the history and the rivalry between, you know, Boston, Dr. J and Larry bird and Moses and Malone, Moses and Charles Barkley. And no two teams have played each other more in the playoffs than the Sixers and the Celtics. And they've always been Boston Philly. But yeah, I've always kind of liked them. Like Ray Allen was one of my favorite players growing up. So when he played for Boston, I liked. It. I always liked KG. So I loved that 2008 Celtics team with Paul Pierce and, and you know, big baby Glenn Davis, right? But Anything is possible. I definitely don't have that same feeling with the modern Celtics. But I do really like Jason Tatum. And one of the biggest what-ifs, I think, of the last seven to eight years of the NBA is – if the Sixers had drafted Jason Tatum instead of Markel Fultz when they traded up. Now, they, nev- <laughs> they never would have actually gone out and done that, right? Like, they wanted a point guard. They wanted a scoring guard. It didn't yeah. seem like it made, made – like, didn't really feel like it made, made sense. But when you go That's through the list of – a stroke of genius by Danny Ainge, though. Oh, it was an unbelievable. <laughs> and they fleeced yeah. another first-round pick off the Sixers. But when you, look, <laughs> when you look back and you look at the league now – how many guys would you rather have be playing with Joel Embiid than Jason Tatum? There's not much. Yeah. Like talk about a perfect pairing and the age and everything else about him. Like that's a massive. What if, if the Sixers had decided to go with Jason Tatum instead of Markel Fultz and Danny Ainge, your credit, like you said, he knew the Sixers wanted Fultz and he knew that the Lakers wanted Lonzo. And so if he traded back to the three spot, he still knew he was going to get the guy that Got he wanted guy. all along. And it's br- it was one of it's a brilliant front office move. And Danny Ainge has a million of them in his career. But I like Jason Tatum as a player. I think he's unbelievable. And I think he's actually gone through a lot more ups and downs, a lot more criticisms than I think people realize now. He went through some bad stretches. When he got COVID last year in the 2020-2021 season, I mean, he was playing bad basketball. And this Sixers team, like Aduka uh, Ardoka the coach for the Celtics, and I always mispronounce his name, so I apologize to the listeners. Um, he's a phenomenal coach. And when you look yeah. back into what this Celtics team was at the beginning yeah. of the season, as to what they are now, as like a top three or four favorite to win the title, it's pretty remarkable. And if Robert, the fact that Robert Williams is likely to play at some point in the first round too is huge for them because he's another guy who's first all-team defense, Mark Smart's first-team all-defense, and they have an elite scorer in Jalen Brown, who's great defensive player and a borderline like top-end scorer as well. Um, and basically all they need is Derek White just to not shoot too many threes and just <laughs> ball to Jason Tatum when he wants it. And yeah. looking at a team that could very well be in the NBA Finals and could potentially win too. No, I, I love that too. That was my that was my next point was that Udoka is, is such a critical Udoka. part of this, and and it's like it's write that down. It's absolute 
like coach of the year stuff, like the, what he's done with this team uh, to get them to where they are this year, just a, just an unbelievable job in, in his first year. And, and, a, and a credit to both um, um, alluding to, uh, to an article that, uh, that Mark Spears wrote, just the, 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 way he's been able to coach those guys up and be a symbol of representation uh, in the league as a, as a black and, and an African national head coach. So now Scotty, this will be probably a question more directed at you just because you follow the league a little more closer than Vito. Um, which of these teams is going to lose in the first or second round that then makes a massive change that then like, is like, hey, this is the breaking point where like we need to make serious overhaul changes or creates like that next unhappy superstar who's like, I need to get out of here and get to a team that can help me win. Mm. Toronto. Toronto. Yeah. I mean, they they weren't even supposed (laughs) to, they weren't even supposed to be here. Like the fact that Toronto is even the five seed is actually a testament to how, I mean, Siakam's been playing insane in the second half of the season. Actually like Siakam's been averaging like almost 30 points a game from like February to the end of the year. Um, And I think you throw on that list. I think Miami's there too. Like to the point that, that this is a a a pressure year, like, like the fact that, that they were in the mix for, uh, for Harden, uh, and you know, part of that that trade was was some of their key young talent, like Tyler Hero, uh, like Udonis Haslam. Yeah, like last year, you mean? In, yeah, in yeah. Twenty twenty one. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. That's a yeah. good point. I forgot and, about that. I forgot they were in yep. on that deal. And and so you you've kept those guys. You built that core, uh, and like, and you went to the finals two years ago. Now you're the one seed uh, again in the East this year. Like, if if they don't get. I'd say if they don't even get to the conference finals, that's a, that's a Pat Riley going, all right, blow it up. Well, um, and not only that, remember just a month ago, they had that massive blow up. And, and uh, I yeah, heard, I heard Bill tough. Simmons say this and it, it was a really good point, but like 99% of bench fights in basketball are not a big deal, but I was against the Warriors too, by the way. <laughs> but this felt like one of them. And the, and the last one I remembered as something similar was the Draymond and KD one. Yeah. Where you saw it happen on the court and you went, oh, no, this is like this is more than just that. And it felt that same beginning way. of the end. <laughs> Jimmy Butler has an expiration date on every team he gets to. He wears he eventually wears himself out. And the fact that Jimmy Butler's out there challenging Udonis Haslam is like, <laughs> yeah. dude, if you're not even going to buy into the uh, heat no. culture shit and not I'm not taking anything away from the bubble, but also it's just different. Like I I. Anthony Davis shot better in, in the bubble than he did in any arena in his entire career. And I don't think that that is necessarily just a coincidence. I, it's hard to believe that when we've seen the rest of his career over, he's going into his 11th year next year. So 10 years of Anthony Davis. Jeez. And that one bubble run was such a significant outlier. That doesn't feel like a coincidence to me. It That's just, wild. Yeah. it just doesn't. So like I try not to take away things from the bubble, but I do think Miami was a team when you had Tyler, Tyler hero dropped like 40 points in a playoff game as a rookie. Yeah. And like, yeah, he's been nuts. the best six man of the year. He's average. His numbers compared to every other six man candidate are off the charts. He's going to win that by a landslide. But at the same time, I don't think I, when I look at Miami, I don't think that they're an actual contender, which is crazy. Cause we're talking about them as a one seat. 
And I think you're right. I think if this doesn't work out, if they're not in the, if they're not in the finals or at least the Eastern conference finals, when you have 37 year old Kyle Lowry and you have 35 year old Jimmy Butler and now, but you also have this great piece in bam and you also have a young, great score in Tyler hero. I think at some point you got to make a change. The other team I'll throw yeah. in that mix too is the Utah Jazz because yeah, that was uh... because and, and it's funny that we talked about Miami because I was thinking about teams and like potential superstars that might change teams after this playoff run this year and I would love to see Donovan Mitchell play for the Miami Heat. I think Ooh. that would be such a fantastic fit with a young Bam with a Tyler Hero. He would be a great heat culture guy. He plays with that chip. He plays with that edge. Mm. He's a great athlete. And if you were able to hold on to say Kyle Lowry and, and Jimmy Butler was a part of the trade. Now I believe the Utah jazz are going to try to ship or shop out Rudy Gobert first. But I think if Donovan Mitchell says I'm, I want out here. I think he'll probably get his way. Cause that's what we've learned about superstars. Yeah. Even if you're Ben Simmons <laughs> And you fail mightily and you sit out and you act like a you know petulant child on this and, and not even show up and play practice with a fucking cell phone in your pocket and sweatpants, you still end up getting your way in the end because that's just how the NBA works. So if Donovan Mitchell really wants to leave Utah, he will get his way out of Utah. And I think the Miami Heat would be a perfect team to see Donovan Mitchell on. Yeah, I agree. I like but it's it's weird to me, like they they've stayed in that that two to five range um and for the most part they've been in the, on the, the lower end of that the last few years so like well last year they were the one seed yeah and so and then this year so, they've been all you know they're, so what, if the, you're, they're the five seed this year like yeah they're the five and, and if you're the front office oh uh, no sorry they're the four they're the four uh, yeah, if, yeah, if you're the front office then you go well what are we doing wrong though like we can't be doing that much wrong because we're yeah. clearly a good team but and I think it's a fun. They, they have a good team. Joe um, Ingles tearing his ACL this year was huge, right? And, yeah. and he was a big part of it. I, I think they took a gamble, right? And they they built a really good team. They were a great case of this like young team that was a complete team. They didn't have a pure top level superstar. They had Donovan Mitchell, who was a budding superstar, and then Gobert, who is a flawed star, right? I wouldn't even put him in that super. He's just. He's three-time defensive player of the year. He protects the rim better than anybody else. But offensively, he's not a difference maker. But he's also making superstar caliber money, and he's making like $40 million a year. So you're, you're devoting so much of your cap space to a guy who, yes, he can protect the rim as well as anybody, but you can also – there's Jared Allens out there, right? There, there are guys – like the center position is the most replaceable position in the NBA. And right. you can get Robert Williams, who's going to be in the first or second team all defense as a center, who you're paying literally 20% yeah. as to what Rudy Gobert's contract is. And Rudy Gobert's a great lob threat, but I, I just think ultimately they took the gamble on Mike Connolly and they made the trade for him. But it was a little too little too late. And, you know, I, I just I don't see Donovan Mitchell in a Denver Nugget or sorry, in a Utah Jazz uniform next year. I just don't see it. Maybe a Denver Nuggets one. <laughs> Maybe that would be a good fit um, too. <laughs> I'm curious to see what the Nuggets do against the Warriors. That what's crazy is that without Steph, it really feels like the Nuggets could find a way to win that series. Which, if it does, validates the fact that he's going to win MVP. And 
we've talked about the MVP and we're not going to get into another discussion, but Jokic is the first player in NBA history to have 2000 points, a thousand rebounds and 500 assists in a season. He's just, he's otherworldly dude. And the advanced metrics, I get it. Like all this stuff. And I'll say it again, one last time for everybody. I love Embiid. I love the Sixers. Nothing would make me happier than to see Embiid hold the MVP trophy. But if you are saying that Jokic isn't deserving and that anybody else who's not named Joel Embiid doesn't deserve the MVP, you're an idiot and you don't understand how basketball is, like how it all works, or you're just like a super fan and you're intentionally being irrational, in which case that's fine. If you want to be a rational fan, be irrational. But at least acknowledge the fact that you're irrational and that you're intentionally ignoring statistics <laughs> that would prove you to be wrong. Like, but I guess that's not how irrational people work. Um, <laughs> all right. Since this will be our last pod before the playoffs officially start, give me the finals and who's going to win for both of you guys before we take uh, another break. I'm going to write it down too. Vito? I'm, I'm going to start with uh, Phoenix versus the Sixers. And I'm going to go Phoenix pulls it off. They get the, they get their win. All right. That's Vito's pick. Scotty. Uh, I'm going to do this to myself. Uh, I'm going to go Boston against the Warriors. There. I said it. (laughs) Oh my. And who wins? Uh, Warriors in six. God, that's you know what? I'm not I'm happy for you. I hope it happens for your sake. <laughs> uh, I think we get a rematch of last year. I think we're gonna get Phoenix and Milwaukee, but I think Phoenix gets it done this year. Um, it feels wrong to bet against Giannis, and the fact that we just spent 25 minutes talking about the NBA playoffs and we didn't even bring up the guy who's probably the best player in the NBA and the guy who's gonna <laughs> be the biggest difference maker is is very fitting to the fact that like. Giannis. And the second guy in John Morant. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, we talked a little John Morant. Um, but the fact that Giannis, just again, like we just kind of, it's just, he's like, he's so good. He's become an afterthought. He's two-time MVP, two-time defensive player of the year. Already has won a title. And oh yeah, he's like 27. Like Giannis, if, if Giannis in Milwaukee wins a title this year, he's on the fast track already to be like a top, 20 to top 10 player a top 15 player of all time he'd have to do a lot more to get into that top but like Giannis is so great and the fact that he sits at the podium and has a book of of dad jokes that he reads the reporters every time and the fact that he knows all the like there was a, a reporter who got promoted um to a different job and wasn't covering the beat anymore and so she wasn't on the zoom call and he was like devastated that he was like like he's just got this childlike love and appreciation that everyone needs to have more of and he could so easily be such a fucking douchebag as one of the greatest players in the world and he's just the antithesis of that so i love Giannis. i'd love to see them go back to back but i think chris paul that team is awesome and devin booker Mm. devin booker is hitting a level that i think a lot of people thought he could get to um and there's even some people who are like, oh, it kind of looks a little Kobe-esque. And it's like, oh, it's not get that it's easy now. But yeah. he, he's been spectacular. So I'm going to take Phoenix because um, I want to see I want to see Chris Paul host up the trophy. All right, quick break. Come back, do a little NFL talk to wrap up the pot. 
All right. So I alluded to at the top of the show, uh, there was a report that came out that the front office for the Arizona Cardinals were prepared to have an offer given to Kyler Murray. And apparently they rescinded that offer before they even actually offered it. So it got me thinking, boys, before we hopped on to record today, we've seen a lot of quarterback contracts given out this offseason, right? To old guys, to young guys, uh, to Derek Carr, whatever he is. Derek Carr feels to me like someone who might just never age. Like he just might stay, like he might be possessed by something. His eyes for like four years. Yeah. yeah, His eyes feel like, and his eyelashes feel like a guy who just like, you know, there's, you're not, you're like Benjamin button, but like if Benjamin button hit pause at a certain age, where it's just like, you're just going to stay that age forever. Um, Derek Carr, you know what it is? You don't see many 30 year olds with just a straight buzz cut, you know? And he's a big buzz Mm. cut guy where he's still got a great hairline, but he's got that like, elementary school like oh just go to the barber give me like a three all around and then just you know just do it around that's what Derek Carr is Uh, but again in this offseason we've seen so many guys get contracts um it got me thinking about who are the next guys who are going to be in line and so I came up with a list of seven quarterbacks we're not including the rookies from last year so no Mac Jones Justin Fields Trevor Zach Wilson Trey Lance none of those guys um so the list goes uh Kyler Murray Jalen Hurts, Lamar Jackson. Well, hey, we'll do it by year, right? So ulti- the, the oldest ones on this list are Baker and Lamar. They're the ones who are going into that last year of their rookie contracts before they have to make a decision on them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we're going to have Tua uh, and Hurt. Am I right? Tua, Herbert. No, no. Then it's Kyler. Sorry. Then it's Kyler. I'm getting my years mixed up here. Um, and then it's Tua, Herbert, Burrow, Jalen Hurts. So those are the three years. It's 2018, 2019, 2020 draft classes. So I'll review that again because I fucked all that up. It goes uh, Baker and Lamar from 2018. Uh, In 2019, it was Kyler. And then in 2020, we have Burrow, Herbert, Tua, Jalen Hurts. All right. So that is the crop here. We have seven quarterbacks. And what I've tasked us all to do is to rank these guys one to seven of which who are the quarterbacks you would right now, if you could sign them up and feel the most confident in giving them a long-term extension to be the quarterback of your franchise. So do we want to go seven to one or one to seven? I think we go seven to one. Yeah. But by the time we get to number two, then we're all going to know who what the numbers are. I think we go one down. I think we go one to seven. Okay. All right. We're going to go majority. This is the beauty about having three guys on a podcast. You can just, you know, I don't even have to play the like producer card and be like, nope, we're doing it this way. We can just all we can just vote on it easy. All right, we're gonna go one to seven. Scotty, start with you. Number one quarterback, you feel most confident to give a long-term extension starting this year. Justin Herbert. Ooh, okay. Just unbelievable talent. Like the the arm strength, the the IQ, all of it. And he's got a great O-line in front of him already. He built on a on a fantastic uh, rookie year uh, with with just a phenomenal five thousand plus yard year last year, uh, and I don't see any reason why they shouldn't keep building around him and, and just continue to give him a reason, especially in that division now, which has uh, just absolutely loaded up in the offseason, has four good quarterbacks and well three and a half and uh, and uh, is is just absolutely 
probably the the best division top to bottom in football at this point. Uh, I I think if you want to compete in the AFC, particularly getting out of the AFC West, he's your guy and you got to build around him. So he's my number one for an extension right now. And I'm glad you did this way because I should have clarified this beforehand. We're not talking about like cap implications or like how this is going to affect like how you're going to build your team. We're just talking about the quarterbacks you'd feel most confident committing to. So I'm glad you you thought about that way. Vito, who's your number one? Herbert, man. I mean, I think this is a guy who, if you redrafted all these quarterbacks, you're taking number one uh, personally. I mean, I know Lamar had an MVP season, which is crazy to say, but I think Herbert, in terms of what we're talking about moving forward um, and who I'd be willing to invest long-term money in, I would give him Mahomes money and not think about it twice. I can't believe neither of you guys guys took the guy who played in the fucking. I know who you year. picked. This is insane. <laughs> it's Joe, Joe Burrow Murray. is the pick. This it's no. Joe. It's no, Joe it's Burrow. Not. It's absolutely <laughs> Joe Burrow. He took the Cincinnati Bengals to the fucking Super Bowl. He beat Kansas City in Arrowhead. How is this yeah. not? I'm I'm dumbfounded. I mean, I you guys know I love Justin Herbert as much as anybody. Yeah, you do. But but Joe Burrow. The, what he did this year, throwing again for that same 5,000, like put up ridiculous numbers. He's got his wide receiver set. They've invested in the offensive line. They have the pieces around him, and they just went to the Super Bowl. And on top of it, they don't have to play in a division that has Patrick Mahomes, that has Russell Wilson, and then has Derek Carr with Devontae Adams. I'm saying this from my standpoint. If you're talking about investing long-term money, I don't want a guy who out of one of two years was out for most of the year. If you're talking so about injury, so the injury money, concern is yes. the biggest thing for you. I think that's the differentiator yep. between those two. Cause I think you throw Herbert on that team. I think you do everything that Burrow did. I don't think that that's a distinguisher between those two people. Personally, I don't think that's true. I, 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 I just, I, that's what I stand by. I think that Herbert could have done all of that. I mean, I, I, I really do. I'm not saying he would be incapable of doing it. I'm saying in his second year coming off of an ACL tear, I don't know if anybody other than Joe Burrow could have done what Joe Burrow did. What? Like, and maybe not, but this, but and this is me believing money. In, because when we talk about long term money, though, and this is the thing, you guys both focus on the arm talent, the athleticism, everything Justin Herbert brings, which are totally valid. He out outscores Justin Herbert in those regards. But to me, when you're investing long term money in somebody, it's just as much about are you investing in this person as a human being, are you investing them as the person? And there's no one in the NFL. I want to invest more money in and buy more stock in than Joe Burrow. There's just, no, you do. I just don't agree. I think that what we're seeing is great. It's awesome. I love him. It's great. But from a business decision, from a GM standpoint, like I said, I got a Madden franchise. It's in 2028. I know what it takes. No, I'm kidding. But seriously, <laughs> like I, I, I do, I do believe that a guy like Herbert, who's young, who has a talent, who is, um, to your point, there's with Burrow, there is this swag. There's this whole surrounding aura of him. But what do we see with players that have that four or five years from now, everyone's going to fucking hate him and want to see him fail. Look at Steph, look at LeBron, look at any athlete that has that ever. And my yeah, point but is that. You, but who cares what everyone else thinks if you're, if he's your guy? Well, what I'm like, saying would is you that not if I'm investing have long-term Mahomes? money, I think that Herbert long-term will have a steady growth of popularity until he's an MVP candidate. And he's in the regard. He's he, going to be one of those guys that is around in that. Yeah. Forever. And personally, I just, I personally believe that if you look at the talent next to each other, I would take Herbert over Burrow. And I agree with what you're saying. And I think also something that I would say is different between them two, to your credit is that 
Burroughs won a lot and Herbert hasn't. Herbert scores a lot, but he doesn't win a ton. And there's something to be said about that. Now, I do think when you're young and you're starting off, like Peyton lost 13 games his first season. We know that like shit can happen, but yeah. I do think that um, there's also an argument to be made that, uh, you know, especially with the additions, this defense is better at the Chargers than what the Bengals have. But at the end of the day, yeah, I'm, I'm actually with Scotty here and I'm, I'm, I'm lining up Herbert. And um, I just, man, I just, gonna... I just, don't get me wrong. It, because the, the worst part about this exercise is that it makes it sound like we have to take, we have to, like, I'm putting down Herbert. And it's not that I don't love Herbert. I think you are. Because number two yeah. on my, number two on my list is Justin Herbert. I have him directly oh, under Burrow. Joey Burrow. <laughs> right. And I'm oh, you, sure Vito for number what? two is, is Joe Burrow, right? No, it's not. Okay. Well, hold on that thing. Cause I want to, I want to finish this before we get there. Okay. Justin Herbert is a spectacular talent, right? But I believe, and it feels like it's setting up that like Justin Herbert might be Peyton Manning to Joe Burrow's Tom Brady. Personality wise, that's how it feels. And I'm going to take the guy that can galvanize a mediocre roster to overcome ridiculous odds and find a way to a Super Bowl and find a way to almost finding a way to win a Super Bowl yeah. against Aaron Donald when he has no offensive line. Like I just, I'm, I, and I know that I am a Joe Burrow apologist and I have been for a long time, but I just, there's no one in the NFL I'd rather have as my quarterback for the next 10 years than Joe Burrow. There's nobody. And, I, I have a I respect for, for the... it, but I just, I don't know. Yeah. I just, I just, I, I think when you're making a long-term <sighs> decision, you got to zoom out further than one year. And I and get the health is part of it, but Tom Brady tore his ACL health. too, right? It's like not Tom, even health. It's just you have one season, and if you're going to make me choose, I'd rather take her. But, like, for me, that's that's where I stand. I got yeah. you. Yeah, 100%. And, and you know, if you want to get into the long term, like, I love the fact that, you know, if you can keep uh, Burrow and, and Jamar Chase together for as long as possible, uh, that would be ideal. But that's not going to happen. Like that's just the reality of it. Is maybe, you're not going to be able maybe, to keep maybe those two guys. Maybe not. 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 We have the the trick of this is trusting the Cincinnati Bengals to to be a competent franchise for 15 plus years to keep it. <laughs> oh and boy. that is a totally different conversation. <laughs> but if you're saying like, hey, you can pick the franchise, it's your franchise or whatever. I just I, and again, Justin Herbert, ridiculously talented. I think the ceiling to quote Michael Jordan, the ceiling is the roof, right? Like like Justin Herbert can be all time with what he has in front of him. I'm just genuinely surprised, Vito, as the guy who has appreciation. Justin Herbert's never played a playoff game. Yeah. Joe Burrow's played in a Super Bowl. And he's played in one less season, if you consider the second half of his rookie year. So I'm just – it's surprising to me. That's all. I just thought you would have gone. So, but you don't even have Joe Burrow number two. No. Scotty, you have Joe Burrow two. Before we move on from the Joe Burrow talk, because we know I can talk about him forever, why do you have him at yeah. number two? Me? Yes. I just said why. It's because uh, of the the winning culture that he brings. Uh, like you said, he brought a, a mediocre team to the Super Bowl. Uh, and then I, I agree with Vito. The injury thing is what knocked him down to two for me. Um, 
just because, and I know they've invested a lot in protecting around him. That's the problem is now you're going to have to, uh, to invest a lot of money in the, the group that, that protects him. You've got to invest a lot of money in keeping Jamar Chase happy and T Higgins happy. Uh, and, and that's why I knocked him down a little bit with Justin Herbert. That stuff's already there. Like that was there day one when he got there. And last year after they drafted Rashawn Slater to beef up that O-line and now they're spending that money in free agency to beef up their defense. And they've freed up the space for Joe Burrow to be able to, uh, to get that extension to, or uh, not Herbert. Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert. I'm sorry. Uh, and that's why I put him at number one. It's like one, a one B really, but, uh, that's but if it's why your franchise, if we're not talking yeah. about the Cincinnati Bengals, if this is the fighting Scott Millers, you still feel the same way? I want, I want Justin Herbert. I think the talent is 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 just a notch better in the NFL, uh, talent wise. I think what what Burrow can do, what Burrow is like the 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 all encompassing guy, right? The well rounded uh, leader, uh, 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 guy you can bring together a, a franchise. What, but. The talent on the field, uh, like Herbert's going to get you places with with what he can do on a football field, right? And he's going to learn Can't those get traits to the playoffs the so that, far. That, <laughs> okay. He's going to learn those traits along the way. Last question. You keep going back to the same things. It's last, yeah, he's been in the playoffs, but it's 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 a different human. He didn't being. just get to the playoffs. He went to the Super Bowl and won a game against the Kansas City Chiefs, who who have been the dominant force of the team for the last four years. Last question. Last question. And I, and I understand that this might be a flawed question, so I will accept that right now. But if they hold on to win the Super Bowl, do you feel differently? If Cincinnati holds on to the fourth quarter lead that they had in the Super Bowl, do you feel differently? Because essentially the difference is no, we're talking about one so. quarter when he gets hurt. You would still rather... So. Yeah, I... I... I still because Justin Herbert's going to have four of those, and we don't know that Joe Burrow's. We oh, said we we said Patrick Mahomes might have three Super Bowls by now. Yeah, but, he only has one. But at the same point, if we're talking about the future, I don't give a shit what's happened in the past. I don't actually care. That doesn't matter to me because it's not my Super Bowl. It's not like if we're talking about signing someone out to be your long term quarterback. Yes, having a Super Bowl win matters. I agree with what you're saying. But the point is, is you're saying if does that difference matter to me? No, it really doesn't. Winning doesn't matter. Winning a Super Bowl for another team does not matter to me if I'm making a decision no. about my future career. No, it, it it has an effect. It has an impact. So does making the playoffs. All those things. It's compiled in there. Winning but Super what, Bowls for the Indianapolis Colts. All right. So would you, trade Trent, would you trade Trent? Would you trade Trent Delfer over Kirk Cousins? Because you want a Super Bowl? My point would, is, you have to take honestly, it. Honestly, yes, yes. Honestly, yes. Well, I would rather have Trent Dilfer than than Kirk that's Cousins. Insane. Yeah. How is but that po- insane? That's insane because it's, that's. Trent and first of all, the only you also used you used use the biggest after. out. You used the biggest outlier of all of them. All I right? did. You used the furthest to extreme. make a point. So who? So let's talk about Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning had one Super Bowl when he left Denver. We right for Denver, yeah. Well, sorry, when he left for Denver, he yeah. had one Super Bowl when he left Indianapolis, right? So we're saying that 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 what he had done winning that Super Bowl, none of that, that didn't matter. His history of winning didn't matter when Denver wanted to bring him in. No, what I'm saying is that when you're talking about playing in one game and getting, I think getting to the Super Bowl is more of an accomplishment than a win or a loss if you're looking at it from a GM standpoint, because at that point. You're talking about Peyton, who went. He had the most ten win seasons in a row of any quarterback ever. That's what I look at, being like, that's the guy. 
to me, that speaks more than if he won one and lost one, which he did both of those. Then Drew which, Brees. Anything can happen I, I, in the playoffs. I do agree. Past yeah. success is not necessarily an indication of, of future success. I, I agree with that. But I, I think at this and, – and the thing is, too, is we're talking about two guys who are very early in their careers. Yes. So very. a lot can happen between now and then. So I do understand. I understand that you're betting on the talent versus what we've seen from Burrow up until this point. So I do get it. I'm not trying to say otherwise, but I just, I, I don't know if, if Burrow had won the Super Bowl to say that you would still go with Herbert just feels, I don't know. Anyway, Vito, I, so you don't I even just have picked Herbert as, as your, you don't even have Herbert as your two. So who is yeah. your two then? So my two, and this goes back to, I think what you said earlier about like, if it's my team, right. I have Lamar and why I have Lamar is because number one, um, he is one of the most, electrifying players in football. Everyone knows that I love a running attack. I think that like the ground game and what he could bring as excitement um, is absolutely insane. What worries me and why I actually crossed off and went back and forth between him and burrow. And I probably did this a little bit for shock value. I'm not going to lie, but uh, (laughs) because I, I do think there's something so exciting about like having a guy who, no matter what, we'll make sure that like you're, you're going to be shown on sports center all the damn time with his highlights. He's going to be absolutely electric. Um, he's going to bring in like I mean, any of these guys will bring in ticket holders, but there's something special about Lamar. It's like, even when, when you have a running quarterback, that's that dynamic. We haven't seen it really since Vic. Right. And when Vic was in Atlanta, cause by the time he got to Philly, it wasn't the same, but when he was in Atlanta early, it was one of those things where they were, they never made the, the super bowl. They, they made a couple playoff runs ish. Uh, they went to the, the NFC Eagles. champ. They went to the yes. NFC championship game the year the yeah. Eagles went to the Super Bowl. Yeah, and then it's the Eagles. Yeah, t- took care of them. But uh, the point is that there is something so exciting that almost the generation locks onto. We all remember Michael Vick very well, and I don't think we'll ever forget that quarterback as a football player. Yes, and like I just think so much of him, and I would want someone like that on my team especially yeah. as you're trying to build a franchise. And again, it's a different dynamic. I also think running is really important, especially as you get later in the season, especially if you're in a cold weather outside stadium where I'd move my team uh, with this guy. But uh, I think that's why <laughs> I, I, I think personally, Herbert Burrow and, um, and Lamar are like that tier one group. I think there's a tier drop off from them to the rest of these guys, but I do think they are all in that same grouping for me. No, I, and I, I, I think you're right. Like, I, that's where I have the tear off. By the way, we're officially anointing this as the Vito is a Joe Burrow hater podcast. <laughs> um, it, this, is, this is going to be a longstanding feud. This is the most contentious that the read option has ever been. Um, Throw me we, in. I'll stand we, in solidarity with Vito. We love each other, and maybe this is just a yeah. long-term – this is just going to be a long-term thing between me and the boys where it's just going to be I'm, I'm riding all in on Joe Burrow, and you guys are haters. And you know what? You guys are going to have to own that. You guys hate Joe Burrow. That's <laughs> that's, what, that's what Jeff is telling us that we feel. So we me. have to feel that way. I picked them all year. I said they're the best team in the AFC, but I hate Joe Burrow. You got me. And on top of that, I picked a Pac-12 and an L.A. Chargers quarterback. Get out of here. As my number one, I mean, get out of here. Well, Danny Dimes wasn't on the list, or else we all would have picked. We him, all so he we obviously was the clear cut number one from these draft class. Um, <laughs> but what about you guys? Did you where did you did you have Lamar three okay, for so both I, of you guys? I had Lamar number three. Okay. Um, yeah, so you, you hit it on the head with the there's an electricity with him. Um, 
the reason I can't put him ahead of either Herbert or Burrow and the reason why the next three guys are honestly all there is they all, and we'll get into as we go along, but the athletic ability, the dynamic ability for as amazing as Michael Vick was, I honestly, I think Lamar is even at another level. Like Mm -hmm. if you look up the highlight tape of, of the greatest plays of Michael Vick's career and the greatest plays of Lamar Jackson's career, and Lamar's only what three, four, what is this fourth year? He's been like Lamar's tape is honestly arguably more insane, uh, especially considering the level of athlete that plays defense in the NFL nowadays, right? Like, oh, yeah, especially linebacker and, and outside linebacker. Look at these guys like Von Miller, those guys weren't around back then. Mm-mm. They weren't like, no, you're dealing, you're dealing with offense. defensive ends who paid who weighed 250 pounds, right? Like 275 pounds. Like, we're talking about like big DNs and then big time nose tackles and stuff that he, of course, look, you know, Michael Vick could run. Not to say that Michael Vick wouldn't be as awesome now. Like, I do right. think Michael Vick would be amazing now. But, but Lamar is, is so the, great. Lamar is like if Michael Vick and LaShawn McCoy had a baby like that, like in the quick cuts and stuff like it, yeah. it, it's so special. But and this is the problem with him, Kyler, Jalen Hurts, all these guys is when you the running the way that the NFL is leaning towards these mobile quarterbacks, you still have to be pass first. And I do think Lamar has taken strides to get to that level. I just don't think he's there yet. But this goes back to the do you believe in the person and why I have him ahead of, of guys like Kyler is that I believe in Lamar Jackson, the person, like the way he buys in, the, the, the carefree childlike joy in which he plays the game of football is intoxicating and, and invigorates locker rooms and it, it gets guys to fully buy into what he can do. And so I'm always, always going to be a fan of Lamar Jackson, but we saw for the first time he caught the injury bug this year, right? He tweaked an ankle and as annoying as it is, and I'm not even saying it's a substantial injury, like an ACL or an Achilles or a broken, you know, femur or some random shit. Like it's something small that was a tweaked ankle that turned into, well, he ended up missing basically the rest of the season. And the fact that Tyler Huntley came in and was not as good, but was about 85% of what Lamar can do shows you that there were more guys coming into the league like Kyler, like Jalen Hurts, who can do that. And I love Lamar and I hope he gets the extension because I want to see him play in Baltimore for as long as he can, but I had to keep him below Herbert and, and uh, Burrow for that reason. And the, the real reason, like I said, I was flip flopping between them. And the main thing was that I don't think he can again, develop and become an elite passer an all time hall of famer that can happen. We've seen guys develop like, I still love Josh Allen's like accuracy yeah. bump of like 7% when you, Oh my God. Yeah. And it's like, what? and Lamar has improved in yes. so much as a passer, like, and that was what sucked about him getting hurt this year was that it felt like he had taken a big leap as a passer this year. And then in games like the Kansas city game in week two, where he could just take the game over as a runner and just completely change it. Like there's one guy in the league who can do that. And it's Lamar Jackson. And, and I think that's where, Long-term though, that athletic ability leaning on that, that's not going to survive after your 28, 30. And um, in this day and age, you're expecting a quarterback to go through the late thirties, a franchise long-term guy. That's what you're planning on. So um, if not into the forties, so, so that's where it's Lamar had also done a risk on Lamar uh, because his talent has to, his style will have to change as his career evolves like everyone's, but it's a little different from him rather than Burrow. And the thing with Lamar is like Lamar's a little like LeBron in this regard where it's like LeBron never had a major injury until a a couple of years ago when he had like a really bad sprained ankle. 
right? Like Lamar avoids tackles in a way that like guys like Kyler, like Kyler gets hit and he gets hurt. We've seen it through the first three years of his career. He just, he does. He's so small when he gets hit, he gets hurt. And Lamar amazingly enough has never really taken a big hit in his career. Like he just finds ways to fall. Like falling is an athletic skill. Like, you know, yeah. just getting down is an athletic skill. And Lamar is able to do that in a way where he can avoid big hits that keep him on the field. But we just saw one little tweaked ankle, which is again why I have him ahead of of the rest of the guys on this list. So, Scotty, you also have Lamar. Anything else you want to add on the Lamar bandwagon? Yeah, no, I I, I agree. But we, for the athleticism part, for for the longevity, we said the same things about Russell Wilson, and look where we are now. Like he tweaked yeah. his game to be able to throw better, and, and not that he wasn't a, a a not talented thrower before that, uh, but you know it's it's about tweaking the game. And then the other thing we we always talk about. Well, you got to put guys around uh, around Lamar. You got to put elite receivers around Lamar so he, you can you can throw to him. And it's like you, you compared him to Michael Vick earlier. Like, who was the best receiver Michael Vick had? Roddy White, uh, uh, Deshaun, Deshaun Jackson, Deshaun like, Jackson, Brian yeah, like, Jeremy Brian Mackey, get out of here. Uh, Macklin was sick, dude. Macklin was Brian like Flanagan, a, dude. My old uh, what's the SM show? Bra- there you go. Algie Crumpler. <laughs> Algie Crumpler was a Algie Crumpler, the tight end, end dude. Yeah. And, and Warren Brian, Brian anyway, Dawkins my, ended his life. My, my, my point is, you, you don't have to have the elite, super elite level talent at, at receiver. And Michael Vick proved that. And, and Lamar Jackson has proved it uh, this year before he got injured, too, or this past season before he got injured. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, uh, to me, that's, that's a null argument. Like, that's just noise. I, I can't stand that argument when people make it. Lamar Jackson's an elite talent. Uh, the things he does on a football field are above and beyond what, what any of us have seen. Yeah. And, and we still, what, seven years on now are trying to explain what he's doing on the field that and he's an absolute competitor. You get him into the postseason, It's wrapped you. Like, I don't yeah. want to be facing that guy. I don't want to be staring down. He's the got a dog. He's got that Lamar dog Jackson in the postseason. hundred yeah, percent. He's got that dog in him. I'm with you. Uh, all right. Number four on the list. Where are we at? Vito, we'll start with you. I got Kyler here um and this was actually a toss-up between the two oklahoma boys but i went with kyler because um i think that again there's there's an electricity factor of him i just i believe in the guy um i i understand the injury concern but he's a guy i would be willing to risk it for because it just seems to work like i think he's a really accurate passer and i do think that his quickness um it just looks different than what we talked about with Lamar. It's, it's a different, if you, if you've, you watch both of them enough, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And um, it's hard to put into words, but his ability. Yeah. It's at Twitch speed, but it's, it's again, almost like leaning more into the LaShawn cuts than, than Lamar did. Lamar's still going downfield spinning and, and still going full speed. Kyler's going to cut sideways, run sideways, five yards, full speed, then cut and go North. Like, he moves around more. He's like a Pac-Man on a, on a field. He's making a lot of different moves around corners, but he um, it's dynamic. And, and I think he's a good enough thrower. I put him there, but um, that's just, that's where I went with four. What about you? That's got it. You who me? Uh, Jeff, you're going to love this. Jalen hurts. Ooh. Wow. You're not yeah. alone. Scotty. Jalen hurts. <laughs> Look, it's it's for all the same reasons that we talked about the dynamicism of of Kyler of Lamar Jackson. I think he's he's a better comp to Lamar Jackson than Kyler is, frankly, uh, and, and as and a better passer to boot than than Lamar is. Uh, 
I think beyond that, yeah. like he's he's super young. He he wins. We talked about the importance of winning, like the winning culture, um, and the what they're building around him in the receiving core. Uh, I think is uh, particularly this year with the with the deep draft. I think is going to be uh, spectacular. I don't want to project that though. I think even what they've got right now. I think Jalen has been uh, of the these like sophomore junior year quarterbacks, for lack of a better term. I think he's taking the biggest jump. Uh, of all of them as a competitor and as a, as a, as a leader uh, on the football field. So that's why I'm for, I'm with, I'm with you, Scott. I have Jalen ahead of Kyler. And, and I think I'm seeing the, some of the differences between how you guys approach this versus how I did, which is that I said this when Kyler did his whole Instagram shit and, and removed the names and did all of his stuff. I'm out on Kyler. I'm out. I don't, I want zero Kyler Murray stock. I don't want any of it. He's always been about Kyler. When he was at Texas A&M, he was about Kyler. When he was at Oklahoma, he was about Kyler. When he wanted to go to the draft and get his money right away and play in MLB and try to leverage that, and then, oh, I pulled out. It's all about Kyler. When he released his statement about why he had to, why he chose to remove them from his social medias, which is, again, it's insane that, like, we're in an age where removing something from your social media becomes, like, a massive deal. But, like, it does, and that's how the world works now, you know? Like, when he, when he released that statement, he said he had two goals. The number one goal was to be get a long-term extension to stay in Arizona. And the second one was to win a Super Bowl. It's more important to him to get paid, get the long-term contract, than to be a Super Bowl champion to lead Arizona to the first Super Bowl. I approach this in that who is the guy, right? Like I believe in Justin Herbert, the guy, just not as much as I do Justin Herbert. And then I factor Joe in the Burrow, talent. Yeah. Or sorry, Joe Burrow. And then I factor in the talent in as well, right? It's it's like at some point, and you'll see where this comes into play with my next pick too, right? But I have Kyler Murray next on my list because he is that much more talented than Baker or Tua that I would rather take the risk on the talent at that point. And then I'm okay with taking that, again, from a cost-benefit analysis standpoint. Jalen Hurts is a leader. He's someone I believe in. Do I think he's going to be a 15-year starter pro all-time great guy? Probably not. But if I was going to bet on one of these two guys to do it, if you told me one of these guys is going to do it, I'm buying in with the guy who believes and, and every single day shows up to get better, is never about himself, is always about the team, son of the coach. All of these cliches that people throw around that tend to get overused, there is truth in them. They become cliches for a reason because there is truth in it. And statistically, Jalen Hurts in his first year as a starter had better numbers than Lamar Jackson. And his first and year... Lamar's MVP year, too. <laughs> yeah. So I I will take the chance on Jalen Hurts because I want to bet on him as the person because I'm talking about this as the face of my franchise. I don't want Kyler Murray as the face of my franchise. I don't want a guy who, as talented as he is, is as selfish as he is at the same time. And at the same time, I recognize the talent. I know how special he can be. But then that's where the injury part of it comes into, which is that he's never played a season healthy. He's been three seasons in. He gets banged up. He The undersized thing with him is becoming a reality. And Jalen Hurts on the other side, yeah, he's a little short, but the dude's built like a, like a brick shithouse, man. Like the dude <laughs> is fucking jacked. In college, he could squat like 700 pounds. I'm taking Jalen Hurts over Kyler Murray, even though I understand that Kyler is definitely more talented. But I'm betting on the guy who I believe in 
Because to me, when you're talking about the face of your franchise, that has just a big a part of it. Tom Brady was never the most talented ever at any point in his career, but that didn't matter. And there's tons of examples. John Elway wasn't as talented as Dan Marino, but John uh, Elway. John Elway, what? Uh, I mean, John Elway might be a bad example, but like Dan Marino is as a natural yeah. thrower of the ball is yeah. as special as anybody we've ever seen. Right. So like I'm using it from that example. Yes. Elway and, was ridiculously talented first. Well, I actually well, think Elway is, I was actually going to bring up Elway. So I'm glad you did because I think the whole Kyler thing, it reminds me of when the whole draft thing went down with Elway and he basically like for other reasons, they had this backroom discussion with, uh, the Baltimore Colts at that time and everything that was going on. And, and they realized like, this isn't a good fit. We're not going to go there. And they made a bullshit excuse of that. He wants to play on the West coast and it backfired. And he made a decision as a kid to like, and actually his lawyer agent ended up making that excuse. But the point I'm getting at is sometimes when some crazy shit happens and people get at like kids for doing stupid shit, there's sometimes some things going on in the background. You don't know what's happening with the franchise. And in my opinion, I give everyone that's, almost like when we talk about who's going to get the extension before your first extension, I feel like every quarterback gets one pass of like mm-hmm. some stupid comment post game where they say something shitty, some dumb thing like this, where they take the team off their Instagram saying you're not playing for a team. Cause you want to play in warm weather, which is honestly the worst of anything ever. Thanks that way though. I love you. You're a Bronco for life. <laughs> but uh, like, I, I just, I, I think that there's a, um, this is a big, this whole thing that he did in the off season is a big mess up. And it should have an effect, like you're saying. There's something about it that isn't great, but I personally just so everyone like my reasoning is because yeah. I give everyone one pass. That's but the only I do the agree only with what you're saying. The only pushback I would have is that mm-hmm. this isn't the first time, and that's the thing. It's the first time since he's been on the Cardinals. It's yeah. not the first time we've seen Kyler do that. And I and the stuff that happened to Texas A&M. The more you dig into it the more it reflects poorly on, on Kyler Murray. And I just think he's cut from a cloth that Kyler's about Kyler. And that doesn't mean that you can't win that way. Doesn't mean you can't do that. But I think there's a lack of maturity with him that is so drastically different. Not to say he's like immature, but Jalen Hurts is just on such a crazy level of maturity for a dude who's like 24. Yeah. And, and that, and to me, again, you're talking about the face of your franchise like that. To me, yeah. at least, in making this list played a big part. All right. Um, so I have uh, Kyler at five. Uh, Vito, uh, uh, Scotty, do you have Kyler at five? I do not. Wow. All right. Well, then who do you have at five, Scotty? Tua Tungavailoa. Wow. Ooh. All right. Lefty. Doesn't Make ha- the case. Does, doesn't have to be the face of the franchise. We know the talent that he has. We know, and by the way, it doesn't have to be the face of the franchise, meaning you don't have to give him that huge of an extension to be a really solid quarterback with Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill and Mike Kosicki and any other of the weapons that you want to bring into that offense uh, and then build up on defense uh, to make yourself a real contender in the AFC East. I think it's a slam dunk if you get him on like a three-year, you know, 90-ish million I, Even if it's I, three I years that. for a hundred million, like yeah, you're talking about I, I do that all day million. long. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I get that all day long. And would, and yeah. you would want him on your team, though. If you're making a franchise, would you take him in that spot? If I'm the Dolphins, yeah. Well, I mean, at some point, we're gonna have to pick all these people, right? So, like, yeah, like so, there are certain guys on this list, like I wouldn't necessarily want Kyler Murray, but I do respect the talent enough to recognize what it can bring me. 
right? Like I wouldn't, Tua wouldn't be my first pick. Clearly he's lower on my list. I actually have him last on my list. Um, Mm. But the thing with Tua is that a a year from now or 10 months from now, well, again, I'm I'm talking about like for me, like I like Tua a lot, but Mm. I, this is such a huge prove it year. And what's fun about this exercise and what I love about the NFL is that we can have this conversation a year from now. And Tua could have this unbelievable year with all these <laughs> weapons and we could feel completely different. And Tua could be like number two on this list. And because he still has another year before they have to decide whether or not they're going to give him that extension, he actually technically has two years because he gets the fifth year option as a first right. round draft pick that technically could be two years before the Dolphins would have to even make that decision. Like we could have a totally different outlook on Tua, but based off of the Tua we've seen to this point, I do have him last on my list as, as we stand right now. Um, but I also get your point, Scott, because you look at him and what he has and what the upside is, given what we could see from him this year, could completely flip what we have. Vito, who do you have next on your list? Five, I have Baker. Mm. And I, I actually just still believe in him. I mean, he was in a system in Cleveland that was very run heavy and it limited, like, it's not like they, um, put the ball in his hands 30 times a game and they had a really good run team. And I I personally believe if you're talking about getting in rhythm with receivers, but you're only, you know, throwing a couple deep balls a game, it's a little difficult. Um, I saw what he did with the tight ends, even a couple games, even going back to the year before when they had all their receivers out and, and he made it work and still got them to win that day to keep going towards the playoffs again, two years ago. But I just personally believe he has it. Um, I think that he is a guy who could go to a different situation and thrive. I think he, his career is not done. And I would actually be willing to give Baker a shot for sure. In, in, in my offense, I just personally believe that as a team. And he is enough of a character and I believe a leader to bring a team together and actually win. I, I personally think of not the rest of these guys he, on this list. He falls in the leader category rather than the other one, in, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I, I'm with you. And that's why I had him ahead of two. Mm-hmm. I had him as my six yeah. pick because I, I believe it. I do still believe in Baker and that might be somewhat like I think if you like Baker you're probably yeah. in that camp right if you're someone yeah. who, who gets annoyed by the progressive commercials and stuff <laughs> then like you're probably not going to be in this oh, I camp. Love him. <laughs> but like I, I I agree with you I, I think the Cleveland situation I said a lot of times and and I did my whole rant right before the Deshaun Watson trade and everything that then looked dumb because I literally posted it like the day before the Deshaun Watson <laughs> trade happened but I said I thought Cleveland was dumb I I, I thought it was way too soon especially given the, the amount of injuries he fought through this year i mean torn yeah. rotator cuff in his non-throwing shoulder sprained rotator cuff in his throwing shoulder i mean he, and yet he still battled and when we saw him healthy not only did he leave the Cle- lead the cleveland browns to the playoffs but he led them to a win and in a franchise that had been nothing but a miserable failure for 20 years when and, he got there, they had, didn't win a game the year before. And we're talking yeah. a couple years later. It's, and it's from wild. a karma standpoint, I would, and one of my best friends is a Cleveland Browns fan and Pearson. I'm sorry. I want the Cleveland Browns to not make the playoffs for another 20 years because of everything, because of the trade, because of how they treated mm-hmm. Baker. I want Cleveland fans to regret the amount that they, they took it for granted. The fact that they had a quarterback who led them to a playoff. And then by the way, only beat their most hated rival rival by (laughs) like 30 points. I got to step in though, but not everyone feels that way. I'd rather see the GM and some other folks leave. And and I would say this, a lot of fans fans know what they had. I, I, 
I, th- uh, you're going to see the most electric stuff out of every situation whenever anyone shows fans. Everyone has those idiotic fans. I just personally believe that those um, diehard Cleveland Brown fans who have been there since the 80s waiting for a good, another good team, those are the people that know what they have and they, they at least respect it. But th- I, I agree with what you're saying, though. I'm but using hyperbole, way, but you know what? I, well, yeah. Well, Same the thing. way that ev- the narrative flipped on him so hard was like, I, f- I feel like everyone thinks he's a lot worse than he is. Of like it, talent yeah. wise. I don't just felt, he's a it top felt, six quarterback, top five quarterback in the NFC right now. If he goes to an NFC team, <laughs> he, he might, he maybe not top five, but he's definitely, he's definitely in the, in the top. I mean, yeah, that's, NFC, that'd be interesting. Yeah. If he's in the NFC where he ranked, <laughs> he probably would be close to that. Scott, you're right. I just I felt the way that he was treated because, yes, you're right. There are a lot of fans who did like Baker and were in his camp. And I think a lot of fans showed out more after they saw how the Browns treated him. But before they knew Deshaun Watson and the trade and everything, there were a lot of people who were like, I don't know about Baker. And we're holding this year against him. And I felt like holding this year against him, considering the fact that their offensive line, which when healthy was the best offensive line in football, the running back room was, you know, this deadly two man roster, which again, like you were saying, like this team's built around the run and yet they couldn't run because it was all Nick Chubb and they didn't have the offensive line. And what made them so dangerous was Kareem Hunt. So they designed this team to be good. OBJ didn't have interest in playing in for the Browns and Jarvis Landry was doing as much as he could do, but it felt like a lot of it went on. And the one thing about it too, and you talked about the leadership veto, I believe from an outsider's perspective, I feel like he's a guy that people rally behind. But at the same time, Jarvis Landry was looking for a trade out of Cleveland until they went and traded for Deshaun Watson, right? So is that Jarvis Landry just looking at the talent that Deshaun Watson has and says, hey, I want to play with this guy? Or is that, did Jarvis Landry have an issue with Baker as the leader and now looks at a different guy and says, hey, this is the guy who, given everything surrounding Deshaun Watson, if he really feels that Deshaun Watson's a better leader, which at this point couldn't very justifiably be questioned. You know, like not to say Deshaun, because Deshaun's track record before all that stuff was nothing but a great leader and and some of the people wanted to play for. But like at the same time, given everything we've seen, I think it's valid to at least question it a little bit, or at least just, you know, it's, it's, it's fair to say, you know what, maybe he doesn't get the free pass he got when he was running national championships at Clemson. So I also think, I think the other option you could throw in there is do, does Jarvis think that getting to Deshaun changes that offense enough to where he thinks they're going to throw more? Yes. And does his career then, does he get able to get another contract on the back end of it? Because he goes, Hey, you know what? Actually I can play with someone who's going to be even better for me. Yeah. But then why weren't you doing that in the first place with Baker? (laughs) I don't know. I'm not, trust me. If I was the offensive coordinator, and and that's the uh, thing, like I know Deshaun's crazy talented, but Kevin Stefanski was running the same offense that he ran when the Minnesota Vikings went to the NFC yeah. championship game. And he was the offensive coordinator there with Case Keenum. And I think Baker is, is definitely more like injured Baker and Case Keenum were the same player. <laughs> That's right? a really good comparison. Yeah. So like if Baker hmm. is healthy, shouldn't Baker be substantially better? And not to mention, like we saw what Baker did when he had a healthy offensive line and a receiving core that seemed interested. And there was all those debates about like, are the Browns better without Odell Beckham Jr. Cause he was out for the year. So I, I just, I don't know. I think it's too early to quit on Baker. Yeah. And I think he and Tua Agreed. to me are, are pretty much neck and neck. There's just so those, a those moxie six, to seven. him. Those are my six, seven. I have Baker and then Tua. 
Scotty, what are your last two? Uh, my last two are Baker. I mean, I we just talked about Baker, so I won't dive into it. But uh, you know the That's the sorry. Grintoso, as the Italians say. Uh, my last is uh, I mean, there's it's one left. It's Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray. I'm done. Get out of here. You're done. I'm done. Wow. I'm done with the injuries. I'm done with the with the look at me. I'm done with the uh, with the poster bullshit. Get out of here. You're you're talented. Stop wasting it. Get out. I don't want you as a, a on my team. <clears throat> There we wow, go. My, my last is Tua. Uh, well, I had Hertz, and then Tua. And so when I look at my list, it's kind of wild. You have the three top tier. The next tier are the Oklahoma QBs. Because <laughs> um, you also forget, right? We listed well, seven guys. Three. Baker. There's three. I mean, because when you said that earlier, yeah, three, I thought yeah. you meant Jalen Hurts was the Oklahoma other. But you meant Baker was your other Oklahoma QB to go with Kyler. That's where we transitioned. Yeah, and, and then it was all three of them. So it's Kyler, Baker, then Hurts. And then I, I had Tua last, which is Hurts. Bama competitor, but uh, I, I just, it's crazy to think that the three guys, those three quarterbacks, you know what I mean? They, they all played for Oklahoma three consecutive years, which is actually insane. Um, Zero titles. And, and well, actually what's crazy is my boy. Zero Grant college football played, playoff wins too. Well, my boy Grant yeah. caught passes from all of them. Oh yeah. And, and so like his, t- you know, who was Grant's favorite? Can we dox Grant? Who was Grant's favorite yeah. to play? <laughs> I, I'll, I'll reach out and let you know. I mean, I would, I know like next time on the closest with Baker, I, I would say, but uh, I don't know. He didn't really play as much that year. He had an incredible year with Kyler. Uh, then he got hurt when, during Hertz's year. So, um, oh man, he had this probably not one handed catch. Uh, mm. in, the, in the championship game against Texas, uh, it was crazy. Uh, I remember anyway, that. Yeah, I have a Sports Center article. It's like a full page layout. But anyway, the point is that all of those guys, I, 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 I don't want to speak for Grant, but I will say this thing. He said all those guys have a lot of different skill sets. And even though they played in a similar system, I think it spoke a lot to their coaching and how they utilized them. Yeah. And I think that goes into the NFL as well. How are these players being utilized matters. So I do think that even though I might say I got two of seven and Scott, you might say he's four, whatever you had him. There's an, a very valid reason if you use him correctly, you had him five, that he would be incredible, right? So I think utilization and, and how they fit in a team. And if you build a team around each individual, I think all these guys could be successful. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I agree. That was a great segment, by the way. Just want to pat our probably not great podcasting, but like, hey, we did so good there, guys. But that no, nice. that was that fun. Nice. Um, Apparently, well, I hate Joe Burrow, but he's, you know. <laughs> we're, we're right. We're, we're running yeah. a bit long. So, uh, Vito, I'm going to say table your life, uh, random life shit for Tuesday, Tuesday's Sounds pod. Good. Okay. And we'll, we'll get it on Tuesday. Cause I have some as well. Um, I want to say real quick, shout out my first of my college friends got engaged this week, oh. um, or last week. So shout out to Brad and Veronica. Nice. They're wonderful, super happy. Uh, we love them both and they're both wonderful people. Um, that's all we have. Great podcast. Thank you to the boys. And remember, Vito and Scotty hate Joe Burrow. That's 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 all we're coming from. They said that he's the worst quarterback in the AFC North. Um, you guys heard it. It's facts. Um, not, it's Joe Lame, not Joe Cool. <laughs> Get out of here, Burrow, please. Oh, this is I can't wait for this to be a recurring segment. When uh, Joe every Burrow week wins when he Bowl. throws like 400 yards, just like, see, see, you guys are stupid. So, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, no, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna be even worse. I'm gonna be passive aggressive and just be like, Joe Burrow, just just send a box score, like a screenshot of the box score. 
That's where we're, that's where this podcast is heading. Um, thank you everybody for listening. Thank you for, for subscribing to the YouTube channel. I've got some people logging in and uh, following us on there. So you can follow us. It's the read option podcast on YouTube, just like the same name you see on, uh, on Spotify and everything else. We love you guys. We appreciate you. Thank you everybody for listening, for tuning in. We'll be back on Tuesday. Enjoy the first round, first couple games at least, of the NBA playoffs. And we'll talk to you guys on Tuesday. Take it easy, everybody.